Hi, I'm Jas. And I'm Rich. And welcome to our podcast where we're talking about all things software engineering. We've been friends since we did computer science together at university and been programming professionally for a decade. What we've done is record three episodes covering a range of topics to start us off. What makes a good programming interview, JavaScript and IDEs, and then we're going to release them to the internet and see where we go from there. Today's episode is all about IDEs. 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 What would you like to say, Richard, about IDEs? I was gonna. I was gonna ask you what you use. Oh, what Start I there. use. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is about you. Okay. Well, people, I think there's a bit of a shock here because I know you. You know. You know what I'm gonna say. <laughs> I know what's coming. <laughs> so I, on a day-to-day basis, use Vim to do my development. Crazy. <laughs> um, how how many say say you use Vim in a in a terminal? Yeah, yeah. So I I have putty SSH into the our development server. And I use Vim on there. Now, all of this on Windows. Yeah. So just to provide that the language, I'm not writing Java in Vim or something like that, because that would be, I'm not that crazy. <laughs> but the shortcuts are so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that crazy. I Because I, I'm doing KDB, which is like an interpreted language, it's like an ID doesn't give you that much benefit. There also isn't, isn't one written. Because <laughs> it's niche. Because it's so niche, you know. 100 200 users maximum globally there isn't anything better so you either do what some people do which is hack around existing ides so there's some people have used like eclipse and then written a syntax highlighter and a autocomplete thing yeah but it's just some guy who's sort of one guy's written it and vaguely passes it around yeah or there is a few more options now but yeah vim for me works the night the reason is because there's no compilation right so I, I change a file, I can just run it immediately because it, you're just loading that file or some files yeah. in. There's no compilation stage to then be like, okay, I've got a tar and now I can SCP it to a server. Right. You've got, say, 20 files and they're all there and you need all of them. So either you've got to be like, okay, I'm modifying, you know, x.q. Okay, let me go and find that in the tree, SCP that over to the right place in the tree and then now I can run it. Or you right. can just edit locally. That's so my you, feeling. So you just edit them in place. Yeah. How do you? How, what if you need to edit lots of files? How does that? Or is there a way that Vim does that? Like? So Vim does multi. Like you can split the view into like ta- um, sub windows, but with Windows Ten, you know you've got the snapping. So I just have multiple putty sessions basically, and one putty session is one Vim window basically. Yeah. I was just thinking we should probably explain what Vim is in case someone doesn't know. Yeah, that's I will. True. I will have a bash. Go. As a Vim expert or not, <laughs> I was thinking about Vim this morning and I was thinking that I'm not a very good drawer and my drawings now look the same as when I was about seven and I feel the same with Vim. <laughs> like we got to a proficiency level when we were at uni and now I'm no better. I can open files, I can make edits, I can't really navigate around the files properly and then I can save them. Can you, can you copy paste? I used to be able to. <laughs> I know it's Shift V. Is that yeah. right? Shift V. Shift V for, for the paste. I don't know yeah, Shift V for the line, and then no, P. For, I'm out. Uh, I'm out. Shift V. Yank. Shift V. Yank. Yank. Paste. Yank. Yeah. yeah brilliant. So, <laughs> so, so it's a command line. It's a purely command line editor. What are the other ones? Emacs is the probably the Nano next. is Nano. a default one in Ubuntu. Yeah, and Emacs is probably the only other one that has a cult following, which Vim definitely yeah. has. And there's definitely a Vim versus Emacs oh, yeah. thing. So, so there's a guy at work that uses Emacs just 100% of the time, even to like browse the file system and stuff. And 
he does. I, I he uses his browser. I, yeah, I work with a guy that used Emacs like that, and I don't get it. But no, <laughs> but I don't. I, to be fair, I don't get either. So, <laughs> so I do use them to quickly edit files, like in macOS, just to like make one line edits. But I don't use it to like work on proper projects. Yeah. So, uh, I'll use it if I'm in a bind, and it's my it's my one of choice because I know how to yeah. open files, yeah. save them, and edit things just. Yeah, yeah. So, well, so you, so you have one terminal per file. Yeah. So that means, so you, so if you're like, oh, where's that file? You need to like quit out or open a new terminal and then yeah. find it. Yeah. So I mean, I should also say that the default Vim, the way you're using it, isn't the way mine looks. Oh, you've changed it. Yeah. So, the, so Vim is massively customizable, and I just stole a load of config from loads of different people to get it to where <laughs> I look. So I have line numbers. I have the current line that I'm on highlighted differently. Mm-hmm. I have uh, undo that lasts. So normally if you do undo in Vim, you close it, you open it again, it won't... It's persistent. It, yeah, so, so persistent you... Vim. Persistent undo I have. Okay. So you can undo back to, you know, six months ago because it's all in a file next to the file. Oh, like, like a history file. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's That's that. Fine. And I've got like... Some other shortcut. So, like, remembers where you are. So every time you close and open the file, mm-hmm. it opens the file back exactly where you closed it. The cursor? Yeah. Ah. So those are the things that... But they're things that you just... You find <laughs> over time. You don't realise they exist. And then every now and again on Hacker News or something, someone's like, here's my Vim shortcuts. So... So now I have a GitHub repository that has my Vim settings. What percentage of your time do you spend doing KDB at work? Quite high or... Yeah... Of the things that I do that are development, I would say yeah, ninety ninety five percent. I have done some Java stuff, for which I use Eclipse, which I know is also not a fan of your fan of. <laughs> <laughs> Eclipse is okay, um, but yeah, you know. So your Java and KDB Eclipse for Java, yeah. Because I was that's one of the things I realized when I was thinking about this topic is it depends what I'm working on. Yeah, like like you said, dynamically compiled. I have and I I use Sublime for. Yeah, and I, yeah, but I, I'm the same as you. Like, there's, there's not. Do you get syntax highlighting for Vim? Yeah. So the, fortunately, the the guys that wrote KDB wrote Vim syntax highlight for highlight right. File. So it's pretty so, good. But by default, again, you don't get that. So you have to have that as part of it, and then you do get it. So, and Vim by default gives you autocomplete for any file in the same file. So if you're in a file and you have a word and then you use it again later, you, there's a shortcut and it will just circle through all the words in that file that might match it. Yeah. I think so, Sublime has the same yeah. kind of... Yeah. So for KDB, that works because it works well enough. Obviously, if you want to go cross file, then you're not going to get that. So if you were using a... So like I think the main thing for you is that basically KDB is a super niche thing that we yeah. could probably also clarify. So it's I'll, I'll explain it badly. Go for it again. Badly. Yeah. Uh, Jas is the expert on me, but... It's a type. It's a special type of database which is good for time series data. Yeah, that, like kind of fair. And it only no. Can it run on Windows? No. Yes, it can. It can, but basically you're yeah. always running it on a Linux box, a server, basically somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. So so you know, big data. We collectively don't like that word, but uh, <laughs> that term. But yeah, it's it, it's massive amounts of data capture and then analytics on the top of that. So right. you know. Our production server at work has a terabyte of RAM, for example. That's madness. Yeah, yeah. And 90 terabytes of disk. So, you know, to run things locally, you'd either have to have a server that, a local PC that had 6,428 gigabytes of RAM, 
or you just buy it. It's not worth even turning up if you don't have. Well, you can obviously you just can't capture as much. I mean, it's six, they're sixty-four bit, so you've got it. You've got the question of how much do you want to capture? Do you do you mirror like dev to prod? Is dev to prod mirrored? Like no, no. So our dev server only has one hundred twenty-eight gig of RAM. Right. I say only, but it's but still yeah, it's still fill the need. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. But um, and again, you know, we, we we'll talk about KDB separately, but there are lots of other reasons why you have to do it. You're limited as to where you can do it because of the licensing. Yeah. But I, I guess that's a topic for a different time Yeah, where there are odd things about that. So my, the next obvious question is, if you were developing some code, let's say you were doing a quick script in Python, which is also interpreted yeah. on your machine, what would you use then? I would probably still use Vim. I actually edited a Python script earlier today for something <laughs> else, for some Ansible stuff that we do. In Vim. And I did it in Vim just because it was there. And the changes I was making weren't that complicated. Yeah. I was literally just adding a parameter into something that didn't exist. Um, I I do a lot of bash uh, because a a lot of the scaffolding around KDB, you you use bash. You have to use something else. So I use bash. Um, So I do a lot of that. And again, I use that. I do that in Vim. I think Python for me is on the boundary there. I think I would, if I was going to do something serious in Python, I would treat it more like Java. As in, I'd probably take it you get like, off my off my off the development server and do it locally. Yeah, I, I think just because there's a lot of benefits there in IDEs. There's obviously a lot of people using it. It's the same as JavaScript. I don't think I'd do JavaScript in Vim unless I'm doing something super basic, mm-hmm. like a really basic sort of relatively static web page. Yeah, uh, which I have been doing a little bit of. But again, all of those things that aren't KDB, except for Java, I'm doing you know one uh, one file tasks you know yep. they're not going to be big projects uh cool i'd say i should probably say what i use which is much more glamorous it is but it's another source of frustration i think <laughs> <laughs> so i use sublime almost exclusively since about 2000 and well maybe we should say years uh, four years ago five years ago yeah quite a while and i use terminals so like like you but locally so i develop right. on mac which yeah. is the difference for a couple of reasons but primarily because i like having a good local linux or unix unix i suppose terminal yeah and mac is a way of getting that and then i also do apps so like ios apps so i basically need a mac yeah, yeah um definitely and i use hyper for my terminal so one of the things i realized when i was thinking about what i use i use there's definitely a vanity aspect that I I'm, I realized Sublime, I think, looks badass. And the <laughs> terminal I use, I'm pretty sure I've picked because it just looks awesome. It's, What's it called? It's called Hyper. Hyper. It's made by this group of, uh, I was about to say vigilante developers. But <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's this company called Zeit. Z-E-I-T. Right. And the these are some of those people on the internet that I love to hate, where there's like seven of them and they do more work than like I could do in like a decade in like a year. They're, they're, they're those kind. And they, they, they've they made this thing called Now. They've made a thing called uh, Next.js, which is pretty much the premier server-side React rendering thing, which, right. which is like quite impressive just to have those two. Then they've made a terminal and they've made, they've made, and those aren't the only things they've made. They've got like four or five, maybe six big open source projects and there's only seven of them, but they've made this terminal and they've made the terminal 
basically with a UX and design person, I assume, mm. because they use it on mainly on Twitter to do screen, not screen grabs, but I don't know what they do, but they make videos of them. Their primary product is a, is a CLI thing. And so they basically have built Hyper to make using their CLI thing look sick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, we'll, we'll grab a picture of it in a minute. Maybe we should grab a picture now. There you go. So that's what that's what it looks like. Oh, I think I have seen. Uh, seen it around. Yeah, you maybe maybe giving a little look over your shoulder. Just yeah, it's is it is it written in Electron? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, I think I remember because it's really super customizable or something. It's well, I think it's rendered in HTML and CSS. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not actually going to stand behind this choice <laughs> uh, firmly. Thank God, because it's performance wise. Yeah. Maybe not the best, but it, it is it is good. But Sublime, yeah, Sublime, I stand by. Sublime is... So, so, so I would ask there then, Slime versus Atom. Do you have an opinion or is there, have you used Atom? Or? A bit, and VS Code is the other one. Well, yeah. So, uh, so the, the features I think they all have in common, which actually Vim has as well, is that, uh, I think, although you'll know better than me, is that they all basically have a human slash programmer readable config which yep. when you think about something like Eclipse or IntelliJ, they, they don't really have that. They, they, they must have some settings files somewhere that you just never see. Yeah, yeah. So like Sublime has like a JSON file. I think Atom does as well. Vim, Visual Studio does as well. Visual Studio does. This seems to be like a thing. I, I don't know who invented it, but like it's become popular. And I think it's a very good thing because like having your config for your IDE in a thing you can read and edit mm. it's for programmers. It's like, it's great. And you can commit it as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Per project. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know if Sublime supports that, but possibly. Oh, but I mean, as well, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> something I mentioned earlier. My Vim settings are in a GitHub repo that if I need to get on a new machine, I just clone it, and then it just put all the dot files in the right place. Yeah, that, yeah, that is good. Yeah, the and same, I guess you can do the same. Yeah, we were just talking beforehand about there's a thing called MacUp that I use, and that backs up my Sublime settings and puts them in Dropbox, and then we'll sync them back down. Yeah, and so like it, it remembers like how many tab spaces I have, and yeah, very important <laughs> other things like this. Yeah, but, yeah. But Sublime, so Atom is, I think Atom is good. I think it's lost. I realized today, um, Atom presumably is now also owned by Microsoft because they acquired GitHub, didn't they? Is it a GitHub thing? It was a GitHub. I think it was a GitHub thing. I'm pretty sure. We, let's look that up because <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. So they now own both. So they now own that's two, weird. Two of the top three. Yeah, just something that I didn't even think about when they acquired. But I think I hear a lot of good things about VS Code, mm. uh, especially for TypeScript, but possibly for some other things. One of one of the guys I worked with was using it recently, and he was he used he's used Sublime for a couple of years, and he was like, yeah, it's really good. Um, and another one of our friends uses it. I've seen somebody at work who does a lot of web stuff use it with the debugger connected to Chrome. Yeah, so Sublime doesn't. Yeah, the, oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, so you 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 start Node and uh, and then attach VS Code to it, so it you can step and add breakpoints just in your editor. So it looks basically works like Eclipse. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, because yeah, Sublime definitely. So that's the downside of Sublime is basically it is just for editing text files, mm. and I think you can get some. To be honest, I don't really think you get any plugins for like debugging or you basically on your own. So that's why the other terminals are there really for just sort of other bits. Because I think that's the, the main sort of thing that maybe VS Code is a little different on is integrated versus 
So like Sublime and Vim are not really what I'd call like, I don't know what the word is, but like IntelliJ and Eclipse are very, like you have like the play button and you can yeah. step over and set breakpoints and then like Sublime and Vim. Yeah, I mean, I think if we're thinking about it, <clears throat> the way we're talking about it here, Vim and, and Sublime probably aren't actually IDEs, right? They're not interactive development environments. They're actually just text, text editors, editors that yeah. people hack around to get looking like an IDE, but then you have to switch into something else to actually yeah. look at the output. Whereas I guess VS Code seems to be trying to be the, trying to bridge that gap, right? Yeah, yeah. It feels like it's in the middle because I can definitely see how it's closer to something like IntelliJ or, or original Visual Studio. I guess that's the other big boy in this <laughs> for all its sins. I haven't used it in a while, actually. It was better last I used it. I guess... <clears throat> If you're doing C sharp, is that still your only choice, Visual Studio? More or less. I, I, uh, does it run on Linux though for the .NET Core? I do not know. Don't think it does. Uh, you can do. I know you can do cross compile, so you mm. can run Visual Studio in Windows and connect it to Bash on Windows and a remote server to then deploy, cross compile and deploy it. Gosh. That's, so you can run .NET Core yeah. on Linux, but I don't think you can say I've got a Linux development environment and I want to run. Yeah, Visual Studio. A lot of the guys. <clears throat> so our company does a lot of C plus plus, and they all use um, JetBrains's C line. Oh, I've never actually. Seen, I've obviously which JetBrains. is yeah. So it's basically apparently it's the one to use for C plus plus. Really? Because it's you know I think for the same reason that a lot of people like IntelliJ, it just does a lot of things really. Yeah, well. yeah. But I mean, at our work. I you know it'd be interesting to see how other people. I don't know a lot of people who do C plus plus, but they've got some weird setup. So they run C line on the development server, Linux development server, and then use Xterm, X Windows to run C-Line on their desktop. So they're not running C-Line natively on their local that's, PC. Yeah, okay. I don't... But that seems like... I mean, to me, that just yeah. seems all manner of wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a bit mental, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. I think... Yeah, we should... I'd, I'd forgotten about Visual Studio entirely. It's fr- it's <laughs> thrown me. Because, yeah. With, with Sublime and Atom, going back to what you asked, I think... Atom had a lot of problems. I've read from other people saying that it can be a bit slow. Like it, it's not particularly responsive. Mm. And the the thing where Sublime is really good. I I think it's written in like a quite a low level language. I think it might be written. I don't know. I think C plus plus or something. But it's it is rapid and it like never it never falters. It's just constantly just like just does what you want all the time and it very rarely slows down. And even even when you're you know, doing quite complicated things. And the, mm. the feature I use a lot is you can open an entire folder with it. So you can open... Yes. And you have that sidebar. <clears throat> and you can actually... What I'll often do is I'll check out... Uh, if I'm working on, like, four Git repos that will go together, I'll check them all out in one big folder, and then I'll open the whole folder, and then I'll have all four projects in the left-hand side. And then if a project's in the left-hand side, there's a shortcut to to search by name to any file in any of those folders. Yeah. So if you know you've got like hello.js, you can start just press the like control P and then start typing hello. Yeah. And then you it will find all the matches. And you can search uh for strings across all those things and that's like ridiculously good. Uh, I feel like Visual Studio has taken must have taken that from Sublime. Yeah. Because that it definitely has that open project. Yeah. Which is basically open folder. Yeah, it's just a folder. And it, yeah, there's nothing special about it. And there's no, it never, it's just a text editor. It never saves any fault like IntelliJ. Indexing. Yeah, oh God, yeah. We could get, <laughs> yeah, we could get onto the joys of IntelliJ indexing in a minute. But yeah, like Sublime is, Sublime, it's just very quick. And I don't really think about it. It has 
plugins, which I think Atom and VS Code, they all now have pretty solid plugin support. Um, so you get all the syntax highlighting that you would probably want and a few other things. Uh, yeah, so it's just it's solid text editor, but I, would, I don't think I would use it for compiled languages because of that would be madness. But, yeah. but for I use it for Python and JavaScript and remote, I would probably use Vim and just struggle, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, I don't do much of that. Yeah. But, um, but then, yeah, so if, you, if you're then looking at compiled and I assume we'd assume Java for that, You'd be an IntelliJ man. Yeah, I, I am. I so we started. We both started in Eclipse a long time ago now. Yeah, we can we can leave it vague by saying when Java six was around, which was like nearly a decade. But <laughs> <laughs> was it Java six back then? Wow. Yeah, we started landing on Java six, and I think I finished my Java career, and it was still Java six. <laughs> and now we're on Java ten. I'd, I'd graduated university and got like three or four years of work experience, and they were still just on the same version from the day we started. It did just come out just before. I mm. think Java 5 to 6 was just before we started uni. But yeah, we used to use Eclipse, which is quite good. I think it suffers a little bit. Like, I like open source software a lot and almost all the development I do. But I notice that with UI open source software, like uh, LibreOffice or whatever it's called now, OpenOffice, Eclipse is definitely in the same. We were talking about Audacity earlier on. They are all kind of just like, you look at them and you're like, ooh, that's a bit... Mm. And, yeah. and Eclipse is definitely in that camp for me where you... I'm pre- Does it look any different from back in the day? No, it's exactly the same. Exactly. <laughs> of course. But IntelliJ, yeah. IntelliJ is like, a pay- it's not free. Yeah. They have a community version though. Oh, they do, yeah. Yeah. They do. And it's not bad, actually. If you, if you were just building some stuff for fun, it would be fine. Yeah. If you're like hardcore Java developer... You're going to need to pay for it. Yeah. And then there's like different versions. Man is confused. There's like the Python one yes. and the Ruby one. And the the JS one as well. Yeah, the, yeah. which some people, was it WebStorm? Yeah. Some people like. I I think the value of IntelliJ is much lower for non-compiled languages in my experience. I've tried RubyMine and PyCharm, I think it's called, yeah. back in the day. And yeah, and it indexes all your files. So which you really in- likes indexing. It does. So you like load up your project and then it indexes for like 10 minutes like but so so i i i when i was doing a lot of java recently just for a one little project i had to do to, to bridge between kdb and some other um messaging format that it didn't support i, I wrote it in java because i'm most comfortable in it and I, I got to the end of more or less end of doing it and i was like oh clips i really should try intellij because I know you go on about it. I used to go on about it a lot. And um, I think I think the problem I have with it is just, it's just, I know the short, I know how to get around Eclipse. Yeah. And I haven't had that time to be like, I need to switch. Or there's not something that Eclipse doesn't do. Yeah, there's not. That I'm like, I need to switch to IntelliJ. So when I switch, I'm going, well, this shortcut, you know, refactor is control shift R in Eclipse. Oh, what is it in yeah. IntelliJ? I don't know what it is. It'll be like shift I think it's shift F six. Yeah. I think off the top of my head, maybe. So you can obviously you can switch IntelliJ to use the Eclipse key bindings, but then that's it's then a bit iffy because then it doesn't Yeah, yeah. You're not using it and it's yeah, really, I know then, exactly what you mean. So yeah. then it's like I get there and I'm like, oh this would be really, really good and then actually Yeah. No, I'll just stick with Eclipse. There's definitely um a barrier to entry to changing. I think the thing that so IntelliJ takes a lot longer to start an index. And then once it's indexed, it's very quick. Mm. But indexing, I've worked on some like really big enterprise Java stuff. And like an index could be like, I know some of the teams that used to sit near, near me, an IntelliJ index would take like 20 minutes. Is that every time it starts up? 
it's every time that the index somehow gets like invalidated. So vague. That's vague. But if you shut it down cleanly on a Friday and come back on Monday, I don't think there's a significant index. Right. But if you if it maybe crashes or if something goes wrong or there's a button you can press to nuke the index. Mm. I mean, to be fair, on a smaller project and maybe as well, maybe they've made it a lot better. I'm talking about four or five years ago, but it was, yeah, and it was, it, yeah, it wasn't necessarily always a fun, like, sometimes we had to configure the JVM options for the bloody thing to, to like, like the ini file. Yeah, there's like a, yeah, yeah there's a stupid ini file and you're like, oh, I need more RAM for my IDE. And you're like, man, you spend longer. It's, I don't miss, I don't miss working with it. It it does have, some of the refactors it have uh, has are amazing, but yeah, in general. And like, I do miss that sometimes, like working. I think Eclipse has the same problem. I mean, particularly around the ini stuff because they're both written in Java, right? So they have the inherent issues you have with Java. Yeah. Which again, I think is a discussion for a different day. <laughs> yeah. But XMX and XMS as command line flags, right, are yeah. just a pain in the backside. Well, I would say the one thing I've seen in IntelliJ that Eclipse definitely, definitely can't do is the decompilation of the class files. Oh, yeah. So if you don't have the source for a class file, yeah, yeah. if you open that file in IntelliJ, it gives you something that's actually readable. Yeah. Whereas in Eclipse, it goes, this is a source, this is a class file. Um, here's some basic... It just it just gives you the compiled source. It doesn't even try to get you back to the original Java. Whereas IntelliJ's, I've seen it, and I've seen somebody else open a file, and I've been like, "There's no comments in this file," because I'm looking at it over his shoulder, and it actually looks like uh, proper co- source. code that's been written. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, "How the hell has somebody written this open source <laughs> project when there's no comments at all?" Yeah. And I've noticed that it's actually a dot class that it's it's um, decompiled, which I think. Is impressive. I don't know how they've done that, but it is a, yeah, it is impressive. The JetBrains guys are on it, and they they obviously care about developers. Like yeah. they built um, Rashapa, which is like a was an add on to Visual Studio back in the day that basically gave it a lot of the IntelliJ features in Visual Studio. And Visual, like I remember working with a few people that didn't have Rashapa when we were working on C Sharp code, and I was just like, like what is wrong with you? Yeah. Like, it, it give you, like it's features now that like. Just being able to find a class by name, like really basic things like renaming a variable everywhere, renaming a class everywhere. So like, Visual Studio couldn't do that out of the box? It didn't used to be able to. I, well, I don't know. How I'm it assume, you'd hope it can now, but maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this wasn't that long ago. Like I know, I can't remember the numbers for Visual Studio, but 2010, I don't think did. Mm. Maybe I used 13 once. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But, but then with VS Code, they've been pretty good. So yeah, I don't... Are there any other IDs we've missed? Uh, I get on the C plus plus side. I would say yes, but I don't really care about C plus <laughs> plus. We, you may, you may come to find this out about us, but we're not. Um, neither of us have much experience with it. No, no, I have it just sort of by osmosis at my current place, where everything is C plus plus. But uh, the bloke that sits opposite me uses it, and he he feels like a rocket scientist to me most days. Yeah, he 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 builds like software that like tunes engines for like uh like formula not formula one cars but like you know those cars like proper race cars yeah and i'm like and he's doing it in c plus plus yeah and i'm just sat there writing react apps to like (laughs) an item's gone in the basket and (laughs) other random crap but um i think the 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 main one i've seen it there actually is the kde uh develop k develop i think it's called mm -hmm. so the that kde development environment is um desktop environment is massive 
and also happens to have its own develop uh, own yeah, ID. Yeah, it's um, quite big. That's one one of the the big C plus plus buffs in the pre- in in my current place. Always went on about uh, Kate Develop, but I think they're probably well. There always will be other ones. So I think so. Like looking across all of them. So for uh, for me, I d- wouldn't use a proper like IDE, like an integrated whatever mm. for non-static. So like JavaScript. Although the, the current debugging in JavaScript's a pain, actually. So that's what's interesting about that, right? And uh, and I, like I mentioned before, this this guy at work who uses Visual Studio Code, it, it does seem like a nice hybrid where yeah. you've got something that looks like Sublime. I think it does, uh, but then yeah, you can you can hook it up properly properly to to your actual Chrome, not like a internal Chrome inside VS Chrome. It's like your actual oh, right. Chrome window. But then you don't see that's what. So what I normally do is. I will hook it up to my Chrome, and, my, and Chrome is my debugger. Mm. So really, in terms of like my IDE, I arguably actually for JavaScript, Chrome is sort of in there because I can inspect the source and set the breakpoints there. But how, how do you get around the compiledness of most of your JavaScript output? Because surely then you're not debugging the actual code you've written. Uh, yeah, with great difficulty. So yeah, when in, before in my company, we trained a bunch of people and... When we learn to program, I think you and I are big fans of... We used to just play programs and just debug them through over and over again. And the, to, for me, that was actually kind of how I learned a lot of things, was just like, I'm going to sort of write a program that's kind of maybe what I think is sort of right, and then I'm going to put some breakpoints in it and actually like... So you're talking about the Java debugger, right? Yeah, yeah. So that, mean, this the Java debugger Eclipse. is... Yeah, and, and, and the debugger in Eclipse and IntelliJ is both... It's like native and brilliant which in JavaScript and Chrome, like especially if you're debugging node code, so server-side JavaScript, then you're in Chrome. So it's not, it's kind of not really running in Chrome, but you're like borrowing the debugger and that's weird. But yeah, like you say, so with JavaScript, you compile all your code. And what I noticed with the people that we were teaching was they, I would really encourage them to use it, but because they couldn't trust it, mm. they wouldn't use it. So you, they'd have a problem and you'd be like, you know, have you have you opened the debugger? And nine times out of ten, they're like, no. Whereas, like, you and I would be like, that's the straight first, in there. Straight first thing you would do. The one way around it is, which is not a good way, is you can actually physically add a debugger statement in the code, and then that it won't mess up. But that's not <laughs> that's not great. Uh, sorry, how do you mean? So you can literally put the word debugger semicolon, right? And then when the program runs, the Chrome will just like stop there. Oh, okay. And so you, so it's a breakpoint that you've written in the code. The yeah, runs. a few, okay. few languages have that. Yeah, I don't think Java does. No, Python. I don't know. I don't know how many have that. But um, so you can do that, and then you know it's on that line. That's like the <laughs> only thing you do know. And then you've got like relative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you press step over. Now you don't really know what line it's on anymore because, like, yeah, like you say, it's running one set of code, like, like the code that Chrome understands. The only thing is now is that Chrome nearly supports everything. Yeah. So it, so there's one big feature it doesn't support in JavaScript, which is importing and exporting of modules, which is quite a big one, to be yeah. honest, because it means all the variable names have changed. So basically debugging is a complete pain in the butt. But other than that, yeah, it's not a very good experience. <laughs> so, 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 I'm, like, I'm, I'm trying to like, find some redeeming And this is something you do every day. Yeah, so I, don't, I basically don't, don't debug, debug code as much as I would probably otherwise. So I guess to say there, though, 
for us, I don't know whether you'd agree, but for me, I mean, the Java debugger is the gold standard. I've never seen a debugger that's been better. Uh, C Sharp's Visual Studio's debugger's pretty good. Right. I, I would say, yeah. But yeah, the, the, they're both... I have not seen any that are as good as those two. And I guess if tomorrow there was like, here's this debugger for JavaScript that is basically the Java one, you'd be all over it. Yeah, it's just trust. Yeah. I don't trust the Chrome one. Because with... it changes, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. And sometimes there have been... I don't know if they're... I'm just saying there's bugs with it. It's maybe a bit harsh. There have been things that they've changed. I mean, in general, Chrome's pretty good. Well, except for the memory usage, it's pretty good. <laughs> that is one of my big bugbears because when we were talking about my uh, terminal I use, which is built with Electron, so it has a whole Chrome oh, for my Chromium, I think, technically, yeah. for my terminal. So that means my terminal will use like 1.2 gigs of RAM. Brilliant. <laughs> on, on my Mac, which only has 16 gig of RAM and Chrome's like using eight between... Well, if you but it, so if, you, if you use VS Code or someone like that, you'd be have Chrome, VS Code, Electron, Hyper Electron. Yeah. Slack. Slack Electron. Yeah. And then, I mean, you see all these memes about memory you, usage, but and Mac particularly yeah, seems to struggle. It does struggle. Yeah, today, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a brilliant world you live in, really, I think, at the moment. I don't know what it's like on Windows. It doesn't seem as bad on Windows, actually. But on Mac, it's, it's yeah. not good. I think, um, it's, I think it's interesting that you're not happy with the way that you have to debug your code, despite the fact you're doing it. Yeah, the time. So I assume you, you look, just for four years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I assume you're looking for you, you keep an eye on if anything new comes up in this space. Yeah. It just doesn't seem do, to be. Do you know what's been really rubbish is debugging Node code. Is like they didn't even add flags into Node to let you really break into a debugger properly. Like it was the support was ropey until this is server side JavaScript. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was ropey until um, quite recently and and the thing that's really holding javascript back to them and we can talk about this more later is is um import export support i've been waiting on it for like two years and i i don't know i still i'm still not sure when it's coming i think it's about another year like native support for it wow. but it's a really like if you go on github and you're using a library there's like a 90 percent chance they'll use the syntax but it's not natively supported anywhere it, so you have to transcode so, so yeah in a browser, definitely. In Node, there's an experimental flag, which I am using on a couple of projects. And it is bliss because you're no longer transpiling or compiling your code. But, which is a ridiculous thing to say, but I guess that's the price of like rapid evolution of a language like mm -hmm. they've done. But, and the language now is like really good, gets a hard rap. But, the, but yeah, I, yeah, it's just. But you're not going to use that flag in production for like a customer. Yeah, <laughs> like well. they're like, why did it break? You're like, I used a flag which was like dash dash experimental dash modules. It's like, and it's crashed with some yeah sort yeah. Of... Like, why is it broken? Like, <laughs> oh, let's is it long term support? Let's let's call up the node guys and they'll tell us to sod off. But it's just kind of like... why does it say beta in the release version? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like yeah. So, I'm... but yeah, that is kind of rubbish. I think WebSwarm is supposed to have pretty good support for node debugging. But the thing is, I ultimately what I'm looking. For I guess it comes down to we should probably talk about what we actually think makes a good IDE slash development environment. I don't know. Yeah. What, I don't know what you think. What what's? I th well, I think yeah. I mean, I suppose I don't deal with compiled languages very often. Yeah. So what I want from a what I want from a development environment is an easy way to edit files 
and an easy way to get those files to where I need to run them. Yeah. I mean, they're my primary drivers, yeah, right? Yeah. Which I think is pretty clear from when you asked me earlier. Yeah. Um, now, I think that isn't what everybody wants. And I think personally, being able to edit files locally on my PC would always be the preference. Because, you know, even though I was saying how I modify Vim to do to, to look more like an ID at the end of the day, you know, things like copying and pasting out of that session into another one, which you didn't ask me about, and I didn't mention. <laughs> How's that one for you? Is not excellent. Yeah. So, I mean, just to actually answer that question, well, I'm sure it's entertaining. So if if I have code that, if I've split my screen into two, say, and I've got a putty on the left, putty on the right, two windows, yeah, and I need to copy something from one to the other, it's fine if the, any of the, none of those lines wrap over. So, you know, you've got like word wrap. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You, you know, it's actually technically the same line, but you've got it onto another line. Mm-hmm. If that's the case... Um, when you paste it, the new line comes with it. Yeah. You should, so normally, yeah. then otherwise you can you can select it over. You have to put Vim into a special mode to paste. Right. Important point. Important point. Um, because it default, it'll just add loads of tabs everywhere for no... I, I still don't understand why. Um, so you enable paste mode and then you just paste it in with Vim, with putty, which is like shift insert or something. If the file, if the lines wrap, um, what I then have to do is close the t- close the file in the other session, mm. open it into my current one, and then use Vim's sort of paging yeah. to copy and paste with Vim's native tools in the same window. Yeah. So there's a shortcut. If you open multiple files and you go, crap, I've opened two files. So if you do vi two files, there's one sort of there, and then there's one you have to think of it like behind it. So there's these shortcuts called colon BP and colon BN, which I think the B stands for buffer. And it basically cycles around them. Oh, so you can God. copy between them that way. And then and then save it, close it, and then open it again. And then I assume you just slide your desk drawer open, take out the loaded revolver, and just <laughs> shoot yourself through the chin. <laughs> just put the gun in your mouth and then think, no, I'll just put that back. Because <laughs> that sounds, just as you were describing that, I was just thinking, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, just wasted life in what you, what you just said that is yeah i suppose i guess it's just the trade-off isn't it is it well yeah and that's what i you know when i started the answer just before I, you know for me that it's worth me doing that for the other benefits yeah but explaining them to some to like a normal, to somebody like yourself yeah you're like what the absolute fudge yes. and uh, rightly so i think which is again you know that's my yeah it, it it doesn't make sense in that case but Can, you know yeah i've got like apple c apple v 100 yeah. works 100 percent of the time every time oh yeah obviously but, and control c and control v don't work in them either um <laughs> i suppose you could remap but, but you're, you're too far in now you're you're too far in you can't can't remap but um so yeah what what is there anything else that you're looking for or so you say so, so that's that's on that side of things right in terms of um compiled languages so you know java c sharp c++ to some degree you know i i want a i want a fully fledged ide you you can get some massive benefits from like i want to rename this everywhere and it can get it right every time yeah which is like Uh, you know with java and eclipse you know it's a joke that i i don't know you know i've said before i don't know whose joke it is but you know a lot of the time you can write java just by mashing control space yeah, yeah, you can. The, the intelligent, you know, the automatic completion. It's, it's wicked. Yeah. You're going to get of a if you think of a of a dot Java that you write, how much is auto completed? I mean, if you're doing something simple, 
it could be over 50% of the code yeah. you haven't actually written. Yeah. And I know, you know, in a separate discussion, we'll say, you know, that's an <laughs> argument for that being a problem with Java. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking yeah. if you were saying that. Like, why is there so much code? <laughs> boilerplate, right? I mean, boilerplate, yeah. um, rightly or wrongly, but without the IDE, and, and to be fair, I think, you know, look, thinking back when we were at university, the first time we started Java, they did, they were basically, we were basically editing them in, in yeah, Notepad, yeah. And right? that was what they wanted us to do. Yeah. And we were like, no, no, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is madness. Which it was because having to manually write import statements. Oh man. Yeah. You like, you get them wrong and then you run the, pro- the feedback loop's awful. Whereas an idea yeah. goes red and you're like, oh, I balls that up. I'll press all. Uh, that's the other one. Alt Auto, enter. Yeah, yeah. What does Alt enter do? Oh, that's an IntelliJ, but there'll be another one. It's just like a magic do? light bulb fixy thing. Oh yeah. So it's like control one, I think. In it yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like I think this is wrong with your code. You press the button. It's like you just basically are saying whatever the first solution you think it is, just do that, and then you <laughs> yeah. learn like oh, if that's red, I just do that, and it just like fixes everything. The magic one in Eclipse that I use almost as often as sort of saving my code is Control Shift O, which is auto imports, automatically organize your. Oh imports. yeah. So yeah. you just write some code and. Then it's like, don't know what that class is, don't know what that class is, because maybe you've pasted it from somewhere, just do yeah. control shift O, and it goes, oh, these are probably all the imports you wanted. I think some of those, some of those tools like that, it's in, I guess it just comes down to whether they're, I, I, in general, like, there has been a revelation in my life, work, mm. working life, <laughs> and personal life. Yeah, my wife's very thrilled about this, but there, <laughs> the, the, there's this thing called Prettier. Have I told you about Prettier? Maybe. Prettier, I assume spelled It's wrong. very hard to say. The man that invented it, um, is a Frenchman, and every time he says "prettier," I just my brain's just like I, I don't. That's confused. So what is it? So basically, it's a command line program that come that you can get on npm, so in Node. Mm. But I think I went on their website the other day. I think it supports other languages. And as input, you give it a load of source files, and then it formats them based on some research that they've done and a, a white paper. So basically, some computer science dude. 10 or 15 years ago, maybe longer, said there's three rules that you need to do to format code correctly in like most cases so it looks okay to a human. And what they've done is they've parsed all the code as an AST and then they so they understand all, you know, like this is an operator and they, they really understand yeah. it. Like they, they've got like an AST representation of it and then they it prints it back out in the file. And what that translates to in real life is you can cock up a file as much as you could physically imagine yeah. and it will get it what I see as right 99.8% of the time for JavaScript. It's insanely good. It's but those rules apply for any language that they've defined? Or... Yes. And then there were some edge cases and uh, it was built by Facebook. Boo. But it was built by Facebook. I use mainly Facebook technology, so I shouldn't boo them. Well the done, prettier guys. thing. Well done, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this this guy, he also helps with React Native, which I use. And yeah, I watched a, I saw a presentation he's given about prettier. And it basically, they went around Facebook. They've got a massive code base and they... They like said when this edge case happens, so like somebody's concatenating a string together with a lot of pluses. Yeah. What should happen in that case? Like, should it wrap around? When should it, you know, when should it wrap around? Yeah. And they basically, it's very opinionated. So they basically said, this is the right one way. There's about five flags you can configure, but they're not very exciting. There's character width. Uh, so, like, you can say I want 180 width or 120, depending on how wide your screen is. Preferably not 120. Or go, 80. Go. I mean, anyone who has that as code. 180. I think I'm on, we're on 180 or 200. Yeah. Which is more but sensible. 80 is the original one. Oh, right? no, no, That's no, no, no. awful. Square screen. Yeah. yeah. Not 4K. So, um, 
and it just reformats your code, but it's a command line thing. You can get um, an add-in for like Sublime and other things, which will just invoke it, which is what reminded me when you said of that uh, import organize, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just, but it, it would be a tool that could be very annoying, but it works so well that it's amazing. Right. And so on our code bases, we have it applied on Git hooks as you commit. So when you commit, all your code just gets formatted. Yeah. And then also... Um, continuous integration also checks that it's formatted correctly and basically because I was working with you know a load of junior developers that worked for me my life when we added it what was fascinating is that the later developers to come through one of them especially actually never gained the ability to format code themselves which I don't know how I feel about what do you mean so because, just don't bother because this tool's so good yeah he just knows that it's going to fix whatever he does but so, he doesn't even write it in a... Oh, no. So, so he's better now, but when he started learning, he was so reliant on Prettier, he would, he would like, not indent things at all. Like, not... <laughs> you know, like, sometimes it's not quite right. Like, when I wrote code, it's not quite right, and Prettier, like, tidies up the edges. This is like, you would look at the code he'd written, and it's, like, all in one line. You know, not all in one line, but it's, like... And then, <laughs> really? And then he runs Prettier, and it's, like... And, it, you know, it's a big change, and I, I don't know... I think that kind of hindered him. Yeah. But it is... What was he writing then? JavaScript? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he would somehow... uh, Yeah, he he basically wouldn't indent any of his code at all. Wow. Yeah, which for me is like... Because indenting is important because it helps... Well, Well, it's the nesting, right? It's the nesting, yeah. Yeah. Because you're like, that goes inside that. And I think it just helps your brain understand what the hell's going on. But but having a uniform way to enforce that on... A lot of the tooling I use now is all command line driven. Yeah. Like Prettier. We have a lint which is like checking that, you know, like the code is certain rules about the code and tells you off. So all of a lot of things that would have been in an IDE in the past, because I think IntelliJ, you can have rules and stuff. Yeah. Uh, in, in terms of linting, you mean? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't do this. You can do that. Yeah. I think you can def- there are a lot of warnings in Eclipse. So some yeah, I used yeah. to, ter- some I used to turn on that aren't on by default, I think. Yeah. Um, I can't, I can't think of any off the top of my head now, but not, I think the linters are better though. I think the linters do more than the traditional Java, like Java C sharp IDEs do. Yeah, because I think there's just there feels like there's a lot more settings for that stuff. I feel very, I feel much more comfortable when I have the settings for a thing committed in source. Mm. Yes, and I can run it on the command line. There's just something about that that's better than it being like four menus deep in IntelliJ, where I'm like, mm, and then right. trying to export those settings to reuse them. Yes. In every project, for example, yeah. is a nightmare, right? Yeah, something in IntelliJ I've just remembered that was a complete pain in the butt was like which files to check in so that when other people open the project in IntelliJ, IntelliJ would know. Like that became part of your build. Like if you if you screwed up those files, your colleagues were like, no, I can't build the project anymore because yeah, yeah. Like, IntelliJ is like messed up and it's kind of like... So yeah, I think for me, I, I've come to prefer command line tools and... Yes, yeah. Because yeah. they're just reproducible. You're locked into a version of that tool, presumably. So, like, you, you use dependency management to be like, I want this version of this thing. Like, until recently, I was using a really old version of Prettier, but I know that everyone's using the same version, so it's kind of fine. Yeah. And then we all upgrade together with a commit, which I think is having everything like that committed is better. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I think, yeah, but Prettier is... I think it's more other languages. It's, it's a really cool project that I would have guess they would have failed that to be honest and when i used it for the first time i was very surprised at how good it like it's there's a few slightly controversial things in it that it does that you well, sometimes that's think. what i was going to say i mean i assume the reason you like it is because you like the output but uh, i guess if you didn't like the output yeah it'd be horrendous you wouldn't like it but i mean 
you'd imagine that most sensible things it does. There, there are things that I do, particularly when I do Java now, that I know the majority of people wouldn't like. Yes. Um, and yeah, I guess then it's that question of if you're committing to a common code base, then you need to conform. So yeah. rather than me remembering to do it, so the system can do it for me, right? Yeah. So apparently in Go, I don't. I've not written a lot of Go, but I the what I heard is that Go has this thing called I think it's called Go FMT or Go Format, mm. and basically the Go community and the people that make Go, they wrote a program that formats Go so that everybody that writes Go formats it the same way. Uh, okay. Which kind of Python actually has as well because it's built into the language. Because you have to tab. You, you right? have to tab, otherwise yeah. it just doesn't run. But that And that's kind of what Prettier has done to JavaScript. But it came later. Yeah. So I, I don't know how many people are using it, but it's like, if you use Prettier, there's only one way to write JavaScript. And if you've written JavaScript for years in a certain way, you might be like, oh, you know, it doesn't do it how I want. But the reality is, like, these guys presumably get paid quite a lot of money to make this thing really good. And, and they used all of Facebook's JavaScript code as, like, they, they literally surveyed. They went through all of the repos. I think they've got the monolith repo like Google. Is, yeah. right? They've got like the one giant repo yeah. and they grepped it and they were just like, in this instance, what do our developers do in what percentages? Oh, and they made the decision just on the majority. They though. made the decision based on analytics of what right. Facebook developers were doing. And, and they obviously apply common sense. And then on the 40, 60, 50, 50 things, they like made some decisions. And that's maybe where you... Do you have an example of uh, a particularly controversial one? That would... Sometimes it takes away brackets and I'd rather it wouldn't because I like explicit parentheses because I'm just, I'm just uh, that kind of interesting. So that's interesting because that's one of the things that I think I do that I would think most people wouldn't do. I would have thought that tool wouldn't have done what I would do. Oh, no. If I'm the same in Excel and maths and life. I want all the parentheses because then I don't have to remember the order of the operators and I'm the same in code. If they're all there, I'm like, I know which order this goes in. So Oh, parentheses. Oh, you mean, sorry, round brackets. Yeah, round brackets, yeah. I was thinking curly brackets. Oh, okay. Which what aren't you... called parentheses, I guess. That was pretty stupid. Called, they're called, yeah, curly brackets, are they? Yeah. There's so many different brackets. Uh, what do you do weird with curly brackets? Oh, um, so, well, the only one I have, if if it's an if statement with only a return in it, I won't put curly brackets. Oh, uh, no. That's, that's New line and indented. All kinds of wrong. <laughs> I. <sighs> so I still, I don't put it on the same line because I'm not, I'm not. Psychopath. <laughs> I don't. I, know, I don't actually think that one's worse than the other. They're both really? terrible. Yeah, I don't. Okay, um, that's interesting. I, I thought. I thought that would court some controversy. No, but um, I think. Do you know what? Though? Like with a lot of this stuff, like code formatting, all that matters to me is that it's consistent. Yeah, yeah. I think if you did that, like these guys have made some decisions, and they're like, on balance, we think this way is better. But what's amazing about Prettier is it lets you. But you know all the code is going to be the same. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know it, and it's basically enforced in both the fact that it gets auto-committed when you check in, which stops yeah. CI problems, and then CI backs it up. So you know if there's a green light on your CI that all the code's formatted properly. But then also the benefit is when you get a new person starting, they go, so, you know, ha- you know, what do you do here for code? You go, well, we just follow Prettier. And, and then they stuff. can just look that up. Yeah. So they know when they're reading it what they're expecting. There's no it. arguments and no ambiguity. But but even to then consume the code as well, right? So if yeah, they go, yeah. oh, you know, what's the? How does this look? What, what am I expecting to see? You just go, well, actually, by the way, it's all in prettier. So if you don't know the rules that it forces, yeah, enforces, yeah. read up on it, and you know, a hundred percent of our code looks like that. Yeah, and which e- is really cool. Yeah, lint, lint, ES lint we use is the same. So I think that's been the one of the biggest change. Like working with the junior team for the last couple of years, these two tools pretty much stopped me from from despair because so in terms of the linter then what does the linter do that prettier doesn't do 
So Prettier just formats your code, but it won't, for example, say that like in JavaScript, there's often two ways of doing something. So you can import something. You can use the keyword import or require. Yeah. And so ESLint will be like, never use require. Yeah. You can have that as a rule. There's other things. It's more like higher level things like don't have two variables which have the same name in the same scope. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lots of there's like. There's a lot of different rules. And then you can configure them with a file. It's a lot less opinionated. So Airbnb have a really good lint. It's like the yes. premier one that everyone uses. So we just basically just use that because it's good. And then prettier, prettier just to actually indents all the code. And yeah. it's, yeah. But I I think I think overall, I, I like the integrated IDEs for the compiled stuff because the trade-off having, I mean, I don't think there's a reason that someone couldn't build an ID that was like IntelliJ with a lot of the same principles from like Sublime or Vim or mm. or VS Code where it's like, I mean, maybe, I don't know, we haven't used it in a while. Maybe they have. Maybe there's like a JSON file that you yeah, check in. Be. and Because like the way that their config was always stored was ridiculous. It was like a whole folder of stuff. I, I can tell you, having used Eclipse recently, that Eclipse hasn't changed. Okay, well, that's, still, no surprises there. <laughs> there's still a .eclipse folder in the root of your project. Yeah. Which, you know... Yeah, I don't. I sort of get, but I. Re, I mean, any files are so sort of nineteen nineties. They really need to get away from that. And you know, having one massive JSON in the root is a lot more manageable yeah, than yeah. twenty seven any files. That, part of that's just times have changed. Yeah, and like yeah. people decided like that this was better. Which obviously, I don't. Maybe there's someone out there that's like the dot eclipse folder is amazing fantastic but it's not but what's really i mean i don't know if you've used vs code but speaking of the configuration so it's editor for the settings you have the template json on the left and your yeah. settings json on the right so yeah. when you change the settings in the default it just takes the right setting as you change it to and puts it in your settings oh, that's cool so you you don't have to do your settings you're actually doing by like drag and drop almost you're saying oh you know editor color blue and then all it, it, you set that, and then it will take that and be like, right, now that's part of your settings file. Yeah. So it's a really nice way of editing them. Yeah. Because it's giving you all, because it gives you all the preset values as well. So you're not going, oh, what does, you know. Yeah, so Blind doesn't have that. Variable X, what do I have to, what's what's the right answer here? If I put light blue, is it going to know what I mean? Or, you know, it, it, the set the values are pre-populated, and it is quite nice. I have a very obscure setting, which was really hard to find out what it was in Sublime, which is... It's, I've actually tried to set it in VS Code and it was hard to set in VS Code too, which is I like to have a key combination that shows me in the tree on the left which file I'm currently editing. So it expands all the folders and takes me to that file, which yes. is a button, which is like a target button in IntelliJ, which I always thought was a brilliant feature. I don't know if it's just the way my brain works, but I'll be editing a file and sometimes I'll think, where the, where the hell am I? Like yeah. I've gone down this rabbit hole, like, where, where am I? And I'll... I'll, I'll just press this combination and then I'll see because I'll know like I want the adjacent file or I want to see what other files are also in yeah. that folder so but that's like a bit that's one of my more niche I think I've I guess you get a breadcrumb that might show you where you are but no, it won't show you what's nearby no breadcrumbs in my sublime might be in setting though probably it's a setting but it, it doesn't give you quite the same thing no so yeah I think yeah I. Uh... so pretty is interesting then I, I think having a predefined way to say I guess we've moved on slightly from IDEs here to code style. It's kind of this. It's kind but of. But it's related. It's related because IntelliJ has a format button. Yeah, and, and Eclipse does. And as well. Eclipse does. And I don't like Eclipses. No. Default. You can like change it, but 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 then that comes back to your point, right? Yes, you can change it, but where the hell does that output go? Where does that configuration yeah, go? And yeah, then that, how do you yeah. share it? And 
you could see easily, eye on it. You could imagine an IntelliJ or an Eclipse which had this problem solved. Maybe maybe IntelliJ has. I don't. Know. I would give IntelliJ a higher sh- a higher chance of doing yeah. it than part, Eclipse. Part of that's just to do with the governance and the business models. Like they have money. <laughs> so if you only had to use one one environment again ever for everything, I guess it's impossible. Yeah, it's impossible. Yeah. And I agree with you. I could narrow it down to just using two. If you made me pick and then told me I was coding Java forever, that would literally be like the bargain with the devil where I'm in purgatory. <laughs> just, just it's, like, what, it's like, pick one, but but, but, but what am I going to be what, developing? What language, oh, I can't tell you that until pick, you picked it, sir. In general, I prefer... I mean, you don't really do it with like IntelliJ, but I like having terminals and... Yeah. I Partially because going back, it just looks badass. I think there's an element, which is another, with Sublime, Sublime looks badass. It's got a dark theme. Yeah. And well, which, yeah, Vim has as well. <laughs> the guys the guys that did Sublime, uh, they did another thing, which we should also talk about in this, which is they did a, I think I've got this right. They did a Git, um, like, interface. So oh, Git. like a source tree. Yes, like source tree, which, have you used that? I have. Do you like it? No. No, me neither. <laughs> it's... Well, well, Alassian is is a topic for another day, but definitely, <laughs> and we do have different opinions on that. But but source tree for me, no. have you used anything that you were like like a, like a GUI based yeah, yeah. visualization tool? Yeah, uh, that you liked. That I liked, or that would maybe even make you think about not using the terminal. <laughs> It'd have to be a no from me. That's a no from me, and I'm the kind of person. That yeah, I would like a tool, but yeah. I... so what I end up find I end up doing though is I use obviously the terminal all the time and the git commands there but there are some times where i go to our internal bitbucket to view stuff because it actually does things nicer so like the diffs for example so i do that as well yeah. all, every day all day i push code to go and look at it yeah. in bitbucket or yeah. github absolutely yeah. just because the diff someone should build a diff that that's that good it could pop open a browser locally it yeah. would be amazing yeah. i'd use that every day because it saves i have i have like some aliases on my mac that like run commands and like one of them is like i have like GH diff, which basically builds the URL, like some ridiculous command, which quickly builds the yes. URL and then just goes straight to the diff for the branch I'm on. So that I can quickly, because I do that so much. Yeah. Which I think is, yeah, and I haven't, Git as well. I use a thing called Git Radar, which I think may be a Mac thing, but basically it's a command line program which builds the bash RC string to colorize and add the Git stuff to yes. the front of yeah, your... Yeah, yeah. So you can always see what branch you're in if yeah. you're in a Git repo. Yeah, it shows I, have a, you... I have a separate... What is a custom one that I found somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it shows you like how many changes, like how many files are dirty. And oh, so you okay. can see if you're like clean just by pressing enter. So basically, you've always got a little bit of Git status basically yeah. just in your terminal, yeah. which is... That is something in the last couple of years I have perfected. Is my my ba- not yeah whatever that is the PS one yeah PS one yeah. yeah like I've I've got one now that I'm yeah exceedingly happy with yeah mine mine's very basic actually it hasn't changed for a long time what I do but I do I just have the branch generally but um, do you know what changed my life with my PS one what's that this is the last year and a half uh, not PlayStation one <laughs> no yeah no, with, with my with my, this is so nerdy but I'm PS my PS one export which is the for those of you that don't know is the um it's like a it's like an export What's the word? Environment variable. It's an environment variable that defines what gets printed every time you press enter. Yeah, in a terminal. Yeah. yeah. And um, I have a new line in it. So every time you press enter, there's a blank line and then the PS1. There is the PS1 and then my cursor's on a new line from on the far left. Controversial. I will include, we can include it in the show notes. We can put, we can put it in. People, people might cover this PS1. I'll, we can put a screenshot of how that looks. But I saw... Make, I, make a note of... 
just that I won't type on this keyboard. But make a note, we can add it in. Yeah, we, we, I, I'm going to immediately say that I don't like it. You don't like that. <laughs> I, I, you'll have to see. You have to see because basically what it gives you is like gives that, you a lot more root space to make yeah, your yeah. PS1 longer, I guess. Yeah, so yeah, your PS1 can be like the full directory and then you get stuff. And then in the next line, you're just like, okay, what do I want to type now? Yeah. And actually, I, I saw someone, someone had it and they'd included a screenshot. And I was just instantly, I was like, I need this in my life. And so like I've, I switched and I haven't. I haven't looked, but it's it's a considerably better actually, especially if you're working with a terminal which is like a narrow, n- a slightly Particularly narrow. Particularly if you've got. I mean, and imagine because you're doing JavaScript, you have a lot of quite a deep directory structure to end yeah, up getting quite yeah. far in. Yeah, although I always stay in the root. Oh, I okay, guess, I don't Fine. know. I don't know what it is. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I know. I, I've seen people do the same, but um, it's not. It's not my thing. No, not your jam. I think, but. For no no particular reason other than I've never done it. I have seen other people do it, but there's nothing about it that's made me think I should change it to that. Yeah. I've seen Fish, which is a different shell that isn't Bash. It's supposed to be quite good. Yeah. Which I liked, but then couldn't be bothered to switch because everything, because I've got this repo again that's all Bash dot files. Yeah. Yeah, And they don't port. You've got to actually manually write them. It's frustrating to me. I, I, I must admit, Eight years into my professional, since I went pro, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just, it wasn't as glamorous as, as like an American football player going pro. They didn't give you, a, they didn't give you a big uh, contract and a shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gatorade and that. we didn't. Maybe I suppose it'd be Mountain Dew, wouldn't it? It'd be amazing <laughs> if you were just there at the office, just having to neck Gatorade and uh, just every now and again mention it. Yeah, I think you can definitely strike up a deal with Diet Coke. Oh man. Caffeine three. That is your niche. That is because <laughs> <laughs> Jas Jas definitely likes a, a dark a DC. Yeah, he's, he's a big fan. But what's funny, just about that as a side, I know you noticed, and I just thought that's because we were friends. But no, apparently everybody notices everywhere, <laughs> every place I've worked. Somebody's been like. So you have a Diet Coke every day. It doesn't help that afterwards you, you do get re- the refreshing taste of Diet Coke. <laughs> Which would be hilarious. Like. <laughs> as you, as you, just, you just put it down on the desk and just go, ah, hey Dave, yeah, ready for that meeting. <laughs> but yeah, everyone notices. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, um, go on, you, you actually were saying something. I've, I've lost Sorry. my train of thought after, your, after, you uh, after, pro. after I went pro. Yeah, I still don't fully understand. Like Bash to me is like, is it a thing to do with the command line or is it a programming language? It's kind of like, it's blurry for me. And I kind of like, no, it's both. But yeah, that, it feels like they should be two separate things. And the fact that switching yes. your, your like to, to fish is like messing that up. Is it yeah. irritating? Yeah. I guess you can still run it by running like bash and the thing. Yeah, but, but all like the, the built-ins of the shell, like your aliases, environment variable uh, stuff, all now have to be fish-based. You can still obviously run bash because if it's a .sh, that's a pain. it'll start in bash. But that's um, a fair point. It's a very interesting point, actually. I think Linux tools like that, I think the reason that the shell is so powerful is precisely because it's it's, sort of it's almost a bone language but it's also a very a terrible one in my opinion i'm not, I'm not yeah, a big fan of that I, I, I use it a lot i use it a lot and i would agree with you that there are it's not a nice program language to use it's very powerful and when people go i do personally i feel that again maybe we're veering off the topic here a little bit but a lot of the times people are like, i'll just do this thing in python or something and i'm like but it's simple enough that you could probably just do yeah. it in Bash. There's there's always that time though that you think that, and then you get like an hour into it, and you're like, 
bugger I, I need to go back and write all of this in Python because I had to write an if statement and the if statement syntax is so unbelievably bad and bashed that I, I can't write if statement I mean the, like literally I have to google it almost every time I two square it. brackets that's the key oh yeah obviously but oh, not one and don't forget the spaces oh yeah, yeah. it's game over it's like this is oh no but if you do one it then behaves differently to have used two as well <laughs> oh my god and it's just can you think of another language that that's in because I can't I've what where where the number of brackets are in an if statement. Can you think of a language where there you could there's an option to have more than one? It's just like when you think about it, it's just like what the But heck? then but then when you realise the reason that it is like that, it's really weird. It's because the the open square bracket is actually a program. Right. That's getting run to do that evaluation. Gosh. That's why there's got to be a space. Right. So you're basically saying like eval this. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So that is Which is you, you sort of it's one of those things that you sort of learn it and you go, ah, oh, you sort of forgive bash. But it still doesn't make it right because the syntax is appalling. I think it's like all these things. Like there's a trade-off, which is yeah, that yeah. Bash is in like if like us say like you make well actually you're a bit of a weird one. I have not worked on Windows now for I started my career working at university. They installed Linux on all the desktops. Yeah, yeah, we use Linux in in work in in our university so, labs. Yeah, so we built up at least a base proficiency, and then once you once you get proficient with it, I haven't met many people that have got proficient with it and then are like. Oh, I'm just going to use Windows for the rest of my career. And, unless there's like a reason like they join a C-sharp team or something. Mm. But like, I think it's kind of natural to stay with it. Because as a programmer, if if it was like my mum, I probably wouldn't recommend, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like you come home, it's like everything's broken again because, you know, it's Linux. But but like for us, it's it's kind of cool. But well, that's interesting. I think I think the reasons I, the reason that, that that's one of the reasons I really don't like Mac is because I think their Linux, their, their Linux environment isn't well it isn't linux right for no, a start so all of the commands are sl- subtly different i all don't really know this. not no you maybe don't and i don't and i, I you know probably i would say 95 percent of people don't but yeah it's th- there are similar. there are fundamental differences and then windows bash on windows yeah I mean, that it's, is it's good. absolute game changer i think really i think it is yeah i think i think, I think things like that before like you know well, i guess we're getting off topic a little bit but sigwin i think was always a a fudge, and if you really needed to use Sigwin, you should be using something else that yeah. other than Windows. Yeah, yeah. but it's kind of like an emulator. I yeah. don't even know how on earth it they, worked. They compiled the all the executables that you use in Linux on the shell, like ls. They compiled Windows versions. Like of exes. Yeah, so it would be ls But it was like a so like for those of you who haven't seen it, Windows ten. Yeah, there's like a thing you can enable, and you. Jas is probably going to explain to you how it works, but I'll explain what it does, which is that you get a something that looks like it and feels like a Linux terminal, but it is running very close or natively. It's native, yeah. It's native, but it, it so, really... so it's the same binaries. So you you have the Ubuntu install. It's the same packages that you would install on an Ubuntu server. Mm-hmm. And what the Microsoft guys have done, which is nuts, is they've the layer between. All the system calls, basically, they've re-implemented. They've implemented them all for to interface with the direct Windows ones. Right. So all the way up to the kernel, it's basically as if it's running on Linux. So it's not a VM. No. Nope. So like you can edit, you can Vim a file that's like on your like desktop yep. on Windows, and you actually can do that, and you can navigate around all those folders yep. like natively. Yeah. Which is pretty cool, but you can also at the same time you can app get install something. Yeah. If you if you are that way inclined with Ubuntu. Yep. So I haven't really kicked the tires on it, but it is if you're Mac OS development, like um, iOS development and sort of 
app building aside, that's yeah. quite compelling to me to be able to like. I mean, you're you're in a difficult position because, like you said before, you're writing iOS apps, right? So Xcode no, or Bust, basically. Yeah, I need to spend a million pounds on a Mac to do that. So yeah, but I think. Um, but yeah, I think I think generally. So the only reason that I haven't switched my development to um, local with local my local Windows with uh, Bash on Windows is purely due to the KDB and its licensing model means I can't. Yes. Um, which again is not a topic for now, but I can't do that. But for everything else, like you can you can put Linux jar like a jar. You can install Oracle Java inside Bash mm-hmm. and it run. So you're running the Linux version of Bash on your Windows PC. Which is which is crazy. It's crazy. It's it's awesome. I think I'd be a little bit worried. Like, will everything always work in that environment? Yeah. So there's definitely things that don't work still, and they're improving it with every um, you know Windows as a service now. Yeah. So so it gets better every time. There are still things like Nmap as a networking tool, particularly around sockets and things. They haven't implemented all of the system calls. So you'll try and run or something, and it'll just be like system call says not implemented. Whoops. And it just doesn't work. <laughs> but most things, most things do, um, and it's it's very very good. I, I think the other thing to say is it's sl- it's slower than Linux, like okay. particularly if you're thinking about like on the C plus plus side in in our in my current job, you know you can't compile the app, the app anywhere near as quickly as you can on a on a window. On but it a, will on compile. A, but it will compile. Not bad. And you can do things like HTOP. Yeah. yeah. So you can run HTOP and view your CPU usage. On Windows. Of your whole PC. Uh, so it's tracking it's tracking the total RAM of the PC. That's crazy. And the CPU. And in my head, it's that's just nuts. That is crazy. <laughs> but they, Which is impre- but, it, but also impressive. What it's also forced them to do is make the Windows command prompt not terrible. Yeah. Because it uses the Windows command prompt to do its rendering. So they've had to make it a lot more Linux compatible and also modernized it. Yeah. To yeah. the point where if you're... A Windows, you know, a, a Windows admin from 20 years ago, and you want the old one. There's an option to revert it, but by default, you get one that isn't actually strictly compatible. You can resize it. And, and, yeah. Oh goodness me! In active resizing. Oh. So it basically is like um, it's basically like putty. Okay. It's almost like I, I, I've got iTerm here on this Mac here. It's equivalent to that. Yeah, that's good because yeah, iTerm's like it's not glorious, but it's fine. So I mean, you wouldn't. I mean, the basic terminal in Mac is pretty basic, right? But iTerm is does a little bit more. Yeah. Oh, maybe sorry, iTerm. Yeah, iTerm. Well, yeah, maybe iTerm's it's not even as good as iTerm. iTerm two is good. I used to use that. That, that. that would actually be the one that I would probably use if I wasn't, if it wasn't for the vanity of how amazingly colourful Hyper looks. Well, you've got to. I feel this at work as well, though. Like where I sit, I always have as many putty windows open at any one time yeah, no, because it just looks like you're doing something really clever. Your compensation is going to be tightly linked, I'd imagine, <laughs> to how many you, you have open. There's there's something else we haven't talked about in Sublime, actually, whilst we're talking about vanity, which is and probably some other IDEs, but Sublime has an awesome feature where you can select some text and then you can press Apple D or Control D and it will select, it will find that text. So say you select the like characters like H-E, then you would like press control d and it will select all the he's it can find yeah I've and seen then that you feature. can just type and it all the cursors will type and you look like you're in the matrix and <laughs> people behind you like i've been in a coffee shop and i'm pretty sure you know there's uh, many coffees have been spilled yeah no an, an attractive woman's walked behind me and just <laughs> just 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 bend her coffee on the floor <laughs> she's she's just she's just come what, what, know, what say what now he's, he's edited six six lines of code simultaneously what a, that my hero say so, yeah yeah but i think i think the main thing with all of this stuff though I've watched a guy, there's a guy called Fun Fun Function. He's on YouTube. Mm. He has a YouTube channel. 
um, kind of helping people who are maybe maybe also quite experienced software developers, but helping them get better. Yeah. And he was basically making the case that you can spend far too long faffing yeah. with like development environment. And I think both of ours are actually like we've obviously like tweaked things. Like you know you've got you know probably two pieces of A4 with the instructions of how to copy and paste something between two. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we've, like I, I've 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 but explaining it to somebody else, yeah, is a pain, right? But I can you, do it you quickly. Just, you just yeah. do it. But you, you kind of optimize. But I think the thing is, you can spend too long on it. And the main thing is, is figuring out in your workflow if something's taking you ages every day. Like that thing I mentioned with GitHub, where I realized in my flow of work, I was doing the same thing. And I would go to GitHub.com. And then like type stuff in to be like, I want to go here and look at this diff. And I was like, if I build an alias for this, it's literally going to save me. Like, I don't know if it's like... Minutes a day? ROI positive yeah. yet. Prob- probably getting close by now. I've been using it for like a year and a half. And I gave it to some other members of my team, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, like if you can find things like that where you really get speed ups. But I, th- I think what's interesting, because you, because you end up using lots of smaller tools, it's a bit like the way we like developing code right it's you can switch individual things out yes because you're not bought into the entire thing yes i that's um, yeah that's a massive point because like if prettier tomorrow is rubbish yeah or they like abandon it because it's a good idea someone will have built something similar and you'll just tag it out whereas if you're in like eclipse and you decide that there's like a better you're like oh well it's not an eclipse and you're kind of like i think it's like the all-in-one versus it's not modular is it you yeah can't, like, just, like imagine converting between eclipse and IntelliJ, which is something i tried to do and, yeah that's tough yeah Particularly if it's a complex app, you've got. I think you've got hard hard work ahead of you. It's the same sort of argument, really, with um, the advanced package support that Sublime. Sublime's packages are a bit, you know, but Atom and VS Code have really good packages, and you could you can tag them out for other things. Yeah. And I, I don't use many, to be honest. Just like a theme, just so that I can really impress people. But other, other than well, as long as it's dark, right? That's the only real rule. Oh, that's what I was going to tell you. So the Git. Um, like the source tree equivalent yeah. that the Sublime people made. They made it and it's completely free, but not if you want the dark theme. Because no they, know, they know developers. <laughs> I was reading on Hacker News that they were like, these guys know what they're doing. Because they know that like, if they add like a thing like that, in originally in Sublime, there was like a purchase me button. Sublime's yeah. $70 and like for the amount I use it, that's bargain of the century. But like, a lot of people I think just use Sublime and then got annoyed with them because it was popping up. So in yeah. this one, they were like, we're going to make it completely free Unless you want the sexy dark theme. Then you can and, give and, us the money. And you know that like a lot of developers are paying them like however many dollars it is because you're just like, well, especially now that Mac of this week or like the last six months come out with the dark theme as well. Oh, in their new M- M- Mojave. Yeah, maybe they knew Mojave. <laughs> Mojave, yeah. <laughs> yeah in, in the Mojave. But I think, yeah, the main thing is not to... Like, despite the fact that we've just discussed it for probably getting on for an hour to yeah. not spend too much time <laughs> worrying about it. But I, th- I, th- I, th- but, uh, I, I think it took, I, I, pre- I think I th- what you say is correct, but I think it's that feeling comfortable doing your work, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so if you're comfortable in something and you have to do something that, where you're not comfortable, it's very easy to spend hours trying to get it like the way you wanted it before, right? So, like, I could spend half an hour, an hour playing with IntelliJ to get it more like Eclipse. Yeah. Whereas, realistically, I should probably just be using Eclipse and not wasting an hour. Yeah, like, you know you're winning with these tools when, like, everything's smooth and you're not fighting it and you're not thinking yeah. about it. But there's, like, a difficult decision when you need to do something new. Like, if tomorrow you need to do some Python stuff and you're like, do I start with Sublime? And you can spend, like, three hours, like, configuring Sublime to be just the way you want it to then use it for an hour. And you've just always got to be thinking, I guess it's just, like, the return on investment of, like... I guess to some degree that the fully the full packaged IDEs or you know whatever phrase we're using for those like Eclipse and IntelliJ, 
or the equivalents in other languages, if you're starting from nothing, mm. they're a great place to start because you get everything yeah, in one true. place, right? Yeah, it's true. almost like, I wouldn't say they were beginner's tools because that's not fair because they obviously do a lot. But for somebody starting fresh, you'd be like, look, you're going to do Java. Here's Eclipse. everything, yeah. Or here's IntelliJ. Everything you need to do is within this window. Yeah, if, if if you're in a team like like I had a team and we use or use Sublime, we use these tools, but I set up all the other tools so they didn't have to. But if you'd have just said to them, yeah, go away, maybe use Sublime, they're not gonna they're not gonna pick up prettier. Whereas those kind of features are kind of more built in. You're more likely to stumble on code formatting IntelliJ because it's there. And that's and you know now that we're slightly further on in our careers, we between us, I think as a this hour and 15 or so far as demonstrated is we have our ways of doing them but they're not they haven't just we haven't just plucked them out of thin air they've been built up right yeah. so your sublime settings and config and pluck packages could come from you using it for a long prolonged period of time same with the way i use vim right it's it's not just you go on any linux install and run vim and that's what i'm using no you got a lot of you know what i mean yeah, yeah. not not necessarily even a lot but just get it to a point where i can start work and be comfortable yeah quickly yeah I guess that's what the twilight years will be about. Us sticking to our ways and never changing anything ever again. It's like, where's Vim? They go, no, we don't. We don't. <laughs> Jazz, it's 2030. <laughs> what are you doing? It's like, put, put your VR glasses yeah, on. <laughs> yeah, gonna, get, those, get that VR headset on. It's like, no, no, no. Just give me a keyboard. I, and... I want a 4K monitor. <laughs> They'll be like, no, no, you need to put the VR headset on. Get, get in the reclining chair and just get on with your work. And you'll be like, no, I don't want to. Can I, can I talk to you on a phone? Or... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I think I'm past that one already. <laughs> uh, cool. So is there anything else you want to say on ideas? No, I think, I think we've... I mean, that is an hour and 20, so... An hour and 20. Yeah. Comprehensive IDE chat. Maybe not necessarily in the right order, but there's a lot in there. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess then something we thought we'd do after our in-depth IDE speak or, or main topic, as we're calling it, we do something not lighter. We called it lighter, but it isn't lighter. Light it's relief. just a bit light, light relief. Where Rich is going to tell a short story. <laughs> no, um, well, we just talk about something that isn't you know hardcore on the development side. And this week, it actually is quite related, and we've touched to it already a little bit, which is PC versus Mac and the general state of play. What what developer machine might you want to buy? Yeah. And, if you're starting from scratch, I guess. And the reason that I wanted to talk about this is because I'm rocking a MacBook Pro that is three, maybe getting on for four years old, and I have not seen anything that makes me want to replace it. And that is not the kind of person that I normally... Including the new Macs, to be absolutely clear. Yeah, like, a, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, mainly, I, I pretty much need a Mac because I do yeah. iOS development. And Apple, this is maybe a little bit controversial because the fanboys may come for me. So I, I've used a Mac... I think I got my first one eight years ago and I've used it for my job for like four years, five years. Mm -hmm. So not forever, to be fair. I do really like it, mostly. But what I don't like is how much memory they give us. And I think I'm not the only person. I've seen a lot of video editors on the line mm. talking about how it's pretty annoying. And they've released now one with a 32 gigs of RAM. But is that the maximum? That is, yeah, that's the max you can get. Right. So up until this last, I don't remember. It's yeah, we're yeah. a little bit out of date, but you'll have to forgive us because it's our first one. So, so I think this is the first generation they've switched to DDR4, which does allow more than sixteen. Is yeah, that there, my there understanding? was yeah, there's some reason that they didn't want yeah. to do that. For, I think power consumption. Power consumption, yeah. And so now they there is a Mac Book Pro. So so I'm talking about laptops here. Mm. Um, so there, so there are lots of desktops that will. They're all they're to be honest. All the, but Mac would all do the Macs apart from that. I mean the Mac Pro is ridiculous, right? So I'm assuming you're not going to recommend. 
no. a Mac Pro, even if it could support 64 gigabytes. The, the trash can, yeah. yeah. So that... Is out, I guess, as even... That, as that thing... I've watched a lot of... Um, a couple of YouTubers, but MBKHD, he had one, and I think they didn't refresh it for, like, five years? Have they or, even refreshed it now? I don't... I think they are going to, or maybe they just did, but, right. like, they left people, like... I, what was interesting about that was that they... I would read something, it must have been on Hacker News, but they were saying basically the problem they had with it is they developed it. They The reason they it's that shape is to get massive amounts of airflow through the centre of it where the graphics cards are because they were assuming that it would all be graphics. Yeah, yeah. But then they realised that actually the latest Intels are quite power hungry and get quite hot. So yeah. then the way they built it, they weren't really expecting that or something. So they're really struggling. It's, it, is, it is a sad state of affairs because especially here in the UK... And maybe in the US it's a little different, but the the, the price of a Mac in dollars to pounds is but is makes them very expensive. I don't think we're the only country where this is true. No, I think I, India I think gets a really raw deal, and I don't know about yeah. Australia. But I mean, here for example, it, it's pretty much whatever the price is in dollars, it's the same price. Yeah, it's the, it's the same, same value in pounds. Yeah, yeah. So like if a Mac seventeen hundred dollars, it's more or less seventeen hundred pounds, which obviously is not right. It's not <laughs> ideal because you because you, you you well every time someone goes to the US, you're like thinking about like. Should never do that. That's bad. But <laughs> HMRC will be on the case. Um, <laughs> we don't want them chasing the them one up. people that one person that's listening, Mister HMRC. <laughs> we'll get them. Yeah, just our luck. <laughs> just, just some sort of. I'll get a phone call. So the sixteen gig of RAM was a big problem, right? And is it is now fixed in the sense that you can order big more than sixteen gigabytes in a laptop. In, in like a really high end model. Yeah. So the model I have now is like a. I think I've got a fifteen inch. MacBook Pro, and it's near the bottom of the line. So it's got an i5, I assume. Seven? Oh, it has got an i7. So that must have been an upgrade. Yeah, maybe it doesn't have a seven. It's an i5 or an i7. I don't even know. It's got 16 gig of RAM, and it, and it doesn't have the dedicated graphics card. Right. And it has an SSD. I and it struggles. Yeah, yeah. And it has 256 SSD. So mm. I don't know what that is. It's probably about 1,700 quids worth back in the day. Mm. And now, quids is pounds for anyone. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but the... Um, but yeah, I mean, this new one, I think it's over two grand. It's something crazy. It's not all of them. It's only the touch bar. So it's not the ones about. You can't get you can't get the thirty two gig in a non touch bar yeah. Mac. And I, to which be honest, I have interesting. I think like many people on the internet, I do not have much interest in having a touch bar, and I have not yet to see any instance of people using it where I think, oh, I really want. I mean, I can't. I, can't. I don't think I've even seen one in in real life. I. I think I have, but it's just unimpressive. And I don't understand why you'd want. It's just dynamic. So, like, depending yeah. what app you're in, depends on what. But, but, the... but you can't. You have to look at it to touch it, right? Yeah, you don't yeah. Know where so the you can't. Are. Yeah, you, muscle memory is not really going to be very handy because first of all, there's no button to like muscle with, mm. and second of all, where things are changes. Yeah. So it's more like an iPad, sort of more like a phone built into the top of your yeah. keyboard. But it's also not on your keyboard if you're docking these things. And I use my Mac docked. I would say 90% of so the time. So it's a waste of money. Yeah, yeah. So like I'm when I look at buying a Mac now, I almost think the 13-inch or the lowest 15-inch without the touch bar, if that even, even if a thing, is like the one I'd want to buy. But then you can't get 32 gigs of RAM. And because of the unique way that the Google engineers have designed Chrome, yeah. that's a big problem because like... As we said earlier, right? Because you've got four Chromes basically so you're running. So things I cannot do on my Mac, which I assume would be the same on anything other than this new 32 gig one, which is basically, so we're talking about 95% of MacBook Pros. So we're talking about, when I say Mac, I'm talking about MacBook Pros. Because I think MacBook Air... Is not for development. No, no, not really. No. no. I, I mean, some people will be like, oh, yeah, yeah. But like, 
I mean, do imagine running Xcode on that. Yeah, I mean, I running, running Xcode on my Mac. So the, the thing that I struggle with is if I want to run a simulator in Xcode, which is not that ridiculous, bearing in mind that Apple write all of this software themselves, and then the three Chromes that come with all the Electron apps. But I don't necessarily have a problem with the idea of Electron apps, especially as a JavaScript developer. I have a problem with how much memory Chrome uses by default yeah. and the fact that these things aren't being shared and it's... yeah. So Chrome's using like six gigs of RAM, and then Xcode's got like two or three, and it is actually quite possible for me to get into swapping. So I'll run out of memory and it's writing to disk. Yeah. That's happened to me quite a few times, and Mac does not handle that very gracefully either. It basically it does seem to struggle with swapping is a bad time on Mac, isn't it? It it ba- the thing that my Mac does when I mean I don't maybe someone will correct me, but what it does for me is it basically hangs any application that wanted more memory and couldn't get it. So I have to, like, quit everything. I have to, like... Oh, yeah, because I guess it's waiting to write it out to disk. Yeah, I don't know. And the disk is slow. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, SSD, maybe, maybe. But it's SSD, so you'd expect it to be quite... Uh, uh, yeah, on Windows, it would kind of just, like, jutter and stall, yeah. but it doesn't really do that. They just kind of give up, which right. I don't know if that's better or worse, because you can't even really... It's better because you can resolve the problem, which on Windows sometimes, I've noticed, it gets so bad that you can't... You can't even kill it. You can't kill yeah. things. Well, you can kill things, but you're never going to get your work back. So if you yeah. if you could have... It is, it is... So, yeah, that is kind of my beef, and I'm really... Because I do iOS development. So what's your... what? I mean, what in that sense, then, you've got an old MacBook Pro that isn't doing what you want it to do, and... What do you do? You don't really want to buy a new one. Well, so, so, so I don't know. We should look up... You've, let's let's quickly look up how much the one I need would cost me. Because it is... And this will be in pounds sterling for those listening. We can convert it, but at some point, we might not, though. <laughs> Google can do that. Google can do it for you. Yeah. Let's just do inclusive of VAT as well, because yeah, yeah. here in the here in the UK we have to pay VAT. So, to Philip, uh, up to thirty-two gigabytes of memory from running multiple pro apps because you're pro. a professional. You are a pro. Fifteen inch. I feel like I'm going to get this wrong, especially looking at it on my phone. <gasps> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I just pressed fifteen inch. And it's already what's the def- what's the what's two, the base price? Two thousand three hundred forty nine pounds. So two point three k and a bit and change. Th- was that the thirty two gig? Fifteen. One? Let me see thirteen. No, no. I, I hang on. I'm... So thirteen inch looks like it starts at twelve forty nine. Let's see if you can yeah. get that. That only includes eight eight gig of RAM. Yeah, they they bumped the prices. Yes, they have. I think I think this time they did. I mean, the Mac Mini is a great example of the price bump, right? Yeah, only 16. So you have to get a 15 minimum to get the 32 gig. Oh, yeah. Let's have a look. I feel technically that's not... I don't think that's a technical issue that stopped them from doing that. (sighs) So like a base, the cheapest 32 gig laptop... So that's a 2.2 gigahertz, six core, eighth gen, like i7. Yeah. Which may or may not overheat, depending on who you listen to. Like no graphics cards upgrades or anything. And then 256 of storage, which yeah. is the lowest. Are we talking two and a half grand? Maybe, I think more. It, it doesn't even, it's embarrassed. It doesn't even want to show me the price. <laughs> oh no, it does. There you go. I'm just, I'm just blind. 2.7K. That's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. That's that's a ridiculous amount. That's nearly twice what I paid for my current one. But it isn't twice as good. I mean, I know there's inflation. Yeah, yeah, and it's 
it will be a bit better. The processes have improved. Yeah, yeah but as in... USB-C... You could just buy another one of yours and split your work over two. <laughs> Do you know what? That's not the most outlandish. I mean, no, in all seriousness, though, you... I mean, I, I work from home and then I have an office. You could have one in each location. Yeah, I, I could buy, I don't know, like a Mac Mini. I don't know if I could get that. Or or, or um, I'm not a big fan of the um, iMacs mm. because I'm... Monitors, in my mind, a computer might last me three years, five years if I buy a really good one. Yeah. It's not going to go much beyond five years. Not as your pro machine. Not no, your no. Pro machine <laughs> that you're using. Uh... Yours is at four, so you've not got long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're right. The monitor, you, it feels like you should keep them separate. Yeah. Monitor and processor. Yeah, and so, and so like, the, yeah, where it's integrated, I'm kind of like, I mean, those displays do look beautiful, but it's like, and you know. You've got, and you've got the iMac Pro, which I think you can put. The, the pro version of the iMac, right, which they released last year, mm-hmm. which you can put, I think, a Xeon in. So I think that means you can have up to sixty-four gig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can, you can, yeah, you can go up to one hundred twenty-eight are, in those bad boys, but they're they're expensive they're as well. Ridiculous. But I need to buy two because I because I work in two places. Yeah, yeah. So but, but maybe a Mac Mini. So, so the Mac Mini used to be a great uh, idea, right? Because it was by far the cheapest way to get into Mac. But then the the, the base now has gone up from I think it was. 500 maybe to 750 yeah and they didn't release one for like bloody ages yeah so i have one here that's the late 2014 model mm. uh and that's that was the most recent one until three weeks ago all oh, right so it was ago. bang up to date yeah until literally until i think they i think they forget <sighs> I, this, this is the best what for me this is i mean i'm not a big mac fan and i'm sure we can talk about that in a minute but <laughs> This is the best one. If you had to, if for me, if you had to pick one, the form factor is just so nice. It is. It is. I, I would, if I worked like exclusively from one office, I'd yeah. consider it. But my problem is, is that, you know, like on Friday, I went on a train and, and like I worked from another city for a bit. And, and ha- you're going to need a laptop as well, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. And then, but then you have the problem of like, if you could just pay a bit extra to have a laptop, which does the job, but you don't have to move all your files around. So you're like... Have it just as your primary. Yeah, because yeah. you're going to have to make sure all the same software is installed. And yeah, like, okay, in theory, but like with some things... It is nicer just to have that one device that you can just take everywhere. Yeah, that's definitely like the best way. But like for 2.7K... That's too much money. Yeah, that'll be like over $3,000 in... I don't even know. It'd be That's a lot of money. Yeah. So... Yeah, I don't. I don't. Even... That's just too much. So I guess then. So I don't know what I'm going to do. Basically, <laughs> sort of, hence why you would like to discuss it. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, the, the other thing. I mean, the only thing that you could realistically do, in my opinion, is that you isolate the Xcode development to a Mac and then move off Mac for everything else, right? Yeah, but like, if you're building apps like that, right? Right now, I'm working on an app as my primary job, and it would. It would be very inconvenient. I could do the Android development elsewhere, but and there's like VMs in the cloud we've talked about before. You can lease uh, a Mac, a Mac, yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, and then like VNC into it. But problem is getting the problem is then it, it's like um, what I do with my job, right, with KDB. Yeah, your files same. are then far away from the yeah. development or the running environment. Exactly. It is. Um, it's a bit of a pain, and and Apple are really. Like I don't think I would still be working on a Mac, if if tomorrow you said to me you're never going to build an iOS app again, which is which is probably a good way of leading on to what would you what's your dream boat if you were I mean I guess you're at the moment you work a kind of office job and they provide you with a oh, ridiculous PC, high spec is it, or low spec? <laughs> very very well, 
weird spec, I would say. <laughs> None of the above. <laughs> yeah, well, so the the workstations that they bought us are Dell Precision Workstations, so they probably are two grand each. Mm. And they have a 12-core, 24-thread Xeon in them. Goodness me. But only 16 gig of RAM. But they okay. have a 256 gig SSD. Okay. And we have four 1080p monitors. Okay. Of which I only use three because I think four monitors is ridiculous. It's excessive. Yeah. I'd rather have two <laughs> higher resolution monitors. But um, somebody decided to buy some terrible 1080p monitors instead. Brilliant. So they they ghost like crazy. I don't know if you've ever seen ghosting. No. I've never seen it before. Well, when look, you scroll, the, it, you actually see the image fade away. Oh. Yeah, they're terrible. They're terrible like one ones. of those Argos monitors yeah. from the 90s. Yeah, these are Asus. <laughs> these are Asus. Really? Yeah, yeah, they're really bad. That's shocking. Really bad monitors. Um, 4K all the way for me, by the way. This one here for me is, I love this monitor that I have here. Which What's is this one? 1440p, 25-inch. Now, I, I've got at home, I've got two 4K monitors side by side, and that is... And at work, at my office, I have one, and every time I go there, I'm like, I need to buy another one. <laughs> need four of these across two locations. Um, so, so I'm, I mean, I'm firmly in the PC camp because I have the option to pick because I don't do any Xcode development. Would you run a Linux? Is that the tech correct terminology? <laughs> a, a Linux. Would you run a Linux? Um, as my primary... So if we're talking just about work... Mm. I consider it, I would consider it just in the situation where I was working. The only thing is, is I, there are things about Windows that I just like day to day. Yeah, yeah. If you're just like going to browse but, the internet. But a lot yeah. of what you do at work is, you know, a lot of what we do at work is browsing the internet. That's true. Because, you know, what would you do with that Stack Overflow? <laughs> <laughs> We'd get fired pretty quickly. <laughs> but, but there's a lot of that. And, you know, particularly in an office, you, you're going to be using Microsoft's office products. Yeah. So... Yeah, I guess I managed to avoid. I forgot that yeah. those existed for a minute, thankfully. I use Word. Yeah, I'm but I mean, Outlook. I mean, you do get Outlook on Mac, but you don't get Outlook on Linux. Yeah. So that's the thing. So so Linux for me is all, is probably always going to be... I would I would consider it, but I think it's always going to be third in that list. Yeah, I guess you could VM. I guess maybe you'd, you could run a Linux and then VM. Or you could use just the web-based version, which is actually very good. And the web-based version of all of the Microsoft online... They're not bad. They're actually all pretty good now. They're almost as good as the Google. I, I use Google Docs for like... I mean, I, I get to pick everything. Well, more or less, not quite. But I, I use yeah, Google Docs. But. but yeah, I think I think for me, it's for me, it's Windows. I like it. People, you know, give it such a bad rep. I'm not saying you do, but actually, but a lot of people, particularly some of these C plus plus guys, go absolutely nuts for it and they hate it so much. But I just don't. I just don't buy it. I just don't buy the hatred for it. I think Microsoft have made some progress since like Windows 10. I think they... Since, since it came out. Yeah, I, I'm very happy. Uh, since they made it, I think they they seem to have... I, th- I like the fact that they're kind of... I don't know if this is still true, but they're sort of touting it as the last Windows. Yeah, which Windows think, as a service. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which I think is like, you know, like major version upgrades. We've seen a lot of like, you know, Google with Chrome have like changed the game in the way that like a product could be released. They, yeah. they, they look like... I mean, Chrome these days, again, we're giving it a hard time, but... You know, the way it updates, it's always just up to date somehow. God knows what they're doing. But, like, it's that is pretty great. And Windows, and as well with um, Edge, they're finally, for the web developers like me out there, they're kind of... 
Yeah, moving forward at least. Yeah, yeah, like you know, like you know, in like five years' time, that you won't be in this ridiculous situation where you're like, oh, someone using an old version of IE because basically now they're kind of committed. I think they're committed to doing what Chrome have done, where they aggressively make everyone upgrade Edge all the time. Yeah, which will just be so much better for the for for the web. But yeah, but yeah, I don't I don't mind it. I think the Bash thing, and you can always run a VM, yeah, which is, could be fine if you've got yeah. a powerful machine. I think if you if you wanted to run Linux, if you for some reason didn't want to use Bash on Windows, or they, you know, whatever reason they wouldn't let you run it, I think um, the other thing I used to do before that existed was use VMware's professional version, where mm-hmm. it's workstation, and yeah, they had yeah. a thing called Unity, mm-hmm. which uh, oh, the windows are like in the operating system. Yeah, so you yeah, don't yeah, have yeah. the desktop of the VM; you just have the applications open. So it looks like they're native, but obviously they're, they're running they're, in yeah. the in that's the VM. good, and that's quite good. But again. For me, I you know, Bash on Windows does everything I want it to do, you know, give or take. And I, I just like Windows. Mac annoys me for a number of reasons. I, I mean, obviously, I, you know, it's an opinion, and it's not one that actually is that well agreed with. I mean, the hardware is unbeatable. There's no, I think there's no argument there in terms of build quality. Build quality yeah, and. It, you know, trackpads are the trackpads are amazing. There's no trackpads. Key, there's a lot of hate for the keyboards right now. I haven't tried the yeah. new one, which I'm keeping my old clicky clacky. It's another reason. Yeah, I I feel it's okay. I mean, they seem okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean the trackpad is probably still the best trackpad. Yes. Um. Yeah. That the. I mean, then the negatives with the hardware that the internals aren't kept quite as cutting edge as you will get if you go yeah. to someone like Dell or or Microsoft's Surface. I'm a big Surface fan. I I own a Surface Pro Four. Um, and it's a great bit of kit, you know. Having a touchscreen on a laptop, I think once you've done that, you don't. No, I've never done that. You don't want to go like, back. I think. I think it's not. It doesn't change the world, but it, it, it. You interface with it in a different way. Yeah. Um, and I do do like the surfaces a lot. Again, but then you get into the same problem. The reason that I like my surface is I've got a relatively cheap one, and I'm using it at home to get one that then is good enough to develop in. Would you consider the... It's going to be expensive. What's that one called with, with the screen disconnects? Uh, yeah, the, the book. The the With the bendy... Yeah, yeah. I think that would be the only... I think that's the... I think that would probably be the only one you could realistically get for development. Yeah. And that's going to be two grand. So what else we got? So like, have you ever thought about it? Like, If you if tomorrow, you, you know, you went in and you just like, you know, you just anger quit and then you had to get home and you're like, I've got to get a... You know, I've got to get some hardware. Yeah. What are you getting? Are you going to get a laptop or a de- What's your... Well, I have my gaming PC here, which is, you know, you made me buy. <laughs> <laughs> so we could play computer games together. Yeah. Um, much to the dislike of, uh, of our respective <laughs> wives. <but. laughs> um, so that's me sorted from a, a desktop point of view. You know, I'm well set. I, I put 32 gig of RAM in that bad boy. So that's... That's going to be yeah, set. Yeah, that's good. That's set for a long time. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, you'd be fine. I guess you, as long as you didn't have to go anywhere. That's the thing. So then... You could, like, get up, strap it to your back. <laughs> yeah, be instead of going to the gym. <laughs> so when I worked in my startup before this current job, I, I was only... I was single device, and I was a... I had a Dell Latitude Oh, yeah, yeah laptop, I forgot about that. Which yeah. I still have in, that, in this desk here that has not been turned on for about a year and a half. Um, and I liked it. The good thing... I mean, the good thing about the Dell... You know, rightly or wrongly, you say what you want about Dell because you know. I wasn't look- thinking it. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't even keep a straight face. But their their latitude range of of laptops have some features which just make a lot of sense from a business point of view. So the dock. Yeah, the dock. I mean, they have a built in dock, 
the the the, the, the laptop comes with a particular special thing underneath to dock it to a specific dock. And you're just done. So when I was working on my startup, I had one here, one in the office. That, so at night, yeah. there's just a big eject button, and you can do it with it powered on. Oh, that's cool. You can just eject it, it all because it's all built in natively. Mm. So the, the the internal drivers know what they're doing basically. Click it on at home, bring it home, click it back in, and you're back to where you were. And that's you know I do really like that from a single device. And I think if I was going to get a laptop, the only other brand of laptops that I like the look of but I've never bought are the Razer ones. Oh, interesting. I you thought the, you were going to say Lenovo ThinkPad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I do. I do like those. You but the one those. I coveted a razor. Have you sort of there's like that meme where the guy's looking over his shoulder? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, walking yeah, along yeah, with yeah. your dad, with my dad, <laughs> <laughs> and, and looking in the background. Look back at the razor or the, um, the Lenovo. I would say the not the Lenovo. I mean the Lenovo. Yeah, you know. I like the. I, I do you, like them, but the the razor ones do do. I mean they look the they have that really thin one that does look or did look when I was looking at them before like really nice bit of kit. And they spec them. I mean, they're gaming PCs, so they're specced well as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, you get the discrete graphics, which for development doesn't really make a difference, but they're going to give yeah. you... Do you know what? I've had a problem with a lot of me and my, my brother who I worked with. We both hate... I don't know if it's a problem with the, that we don't have the higher graphics card. I mean, obviously, I'd probably be bankrupt if I'd have bought one of those. But mm. the the with 4K... And bearing in mind that I don't know what monitors the... I mean, all of these laptops presumably are coming with... Retina. Yeah, Retina or 4K, whatever you want yeah. to call it, 5K, whatever we're on. The, it's just when you screen share on a Mac, the burden of sharing 4K of whatever it's doing, like downscaling it, it, yeah. it really... If, you're, if you've got some... Even if you were just screen sharing Chrome and you had nothing else open, the, you notice mouse lag... It's, wow. it's it's not on. I mean, this, this is on the slide. They may have the newer ones. Maybe it's better because the, the technology's caught up. But two or three years ago, these you know the brand new laptops from a couple of years ago, like 2015, 16, no good. Wow. On not a problem you see much on Windows from what I've seen. No. But um, maybe it's a graphics card thing. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what what that uses. I used to have a little Intel NUC. Uh, those little. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, computers in a very you know it's basically like a Mac Mini but a quarter of the size. And those I. Again, if you were thinking about a cheap desktop for a PC, is you know get you more or less the way there because you you provide your own RAM, mm-hmm. and I put sixteen gig in mine. Um, I think that upgradability, yeah, the fact that that's not in Mac. Like if I could just smash in another sixteen gig of RAM now, yeah. I think this laptop would. Which so that's a good thing, you know, with my Dell. You know, I, I came with eight. I when I started this the, my job at the startup, I instantly put another eight in. Yeah, yeah. So I put I just can. I got sixty and. I mean, it already had an SSD in and it was an i7. So from that point of view, it was fine. The only th- problem with that Dell, of course, was the screen was terrible. It was non-HD. It was yeah, like it's probably a bit old. 1366. I guess that's, that's something that's a must. Another thing on the Macs, which I think some of these other Windows laptops are doing better, is the bezels on the Macs are still a bit embarrassing, especially as smartphones are mm. basically the bezels. Yeah, the Dell, the Dell ones have very, very narrow bezels. I mean, like this, this screen is a sort of similar idea, right? The, the bezel is... Yeah, it's pretty, that's pretty yeah. thin. Yeah, my monitors at home have quite thin yeah. bezels, but the Mac, every time I use the Mac now, it's like, I know it's three years old, but I don't think they haven't changed it much, to be honest. No, I don't think it's changed much. The air the air was a bit better when they just re- yeah. released that after however many years again, and they just left everyone in the dark. How, well, they discontinued it and then brought it back, didn't they? Yeah, I don't think they officially discontinued oh, it. Oh, did they? They probably I were don't, still selling it. I don't, I'm not sure many people were expecting to see another one turn up, to be honest, but I don't know. I don't follow the, the hype. But I was going to ask you, have you seen the, I think it's called the, is it called the Lenovo Carbon? You seen that laptop? Yeah. I know McKinsey 
that's like their. If you see someone with the, that laptop, that's probably that's a probably a, that's a two grand laptop though. I think yeah, to they, get they, a good spec one. Yeah, they they look quite good. So so but what's the interesting? I think having you mentioning that one, the Surface to get a good Windows based development laptop. My in my head, the number's two grand. Yeah. To get a, to get the, the to be fair, you you will get. A lot. <sighs> you get a lot more lower down the range. I mean, the, the good thing about Windows is you can spend from anywhere from two hundred pounds yeah, to yeah, two thousand. Yeah, yeah. That's true. And you could just go as far as you want. And if you're willing to put up with slower comp- compilation time, yeah, and you don't have the yeah. cash, you buy a five hundred pound laptop. I, I, I mean, if this machine is your machine that you do, you know, you've gone pro, you've got yeah. you've got your DC endorsement, <laughs> that here, and you, your, your Diet Coke endorsement, then you then you, I think, spending two grand on a laptop for work it's like or if your company's buying it for you yeah that's i mean that's the thing right it's it's not a laptop that you're using just out of hours it's one you're spending your eight hours a day on right whether it's the company paying for it or you're working and you need to buy it for yourself so when i don't know if you remember this story but when we graduated i had a job at a big company doing uh intellij to like javascript using a java using intellij yeah and i for various reasons to do with my team in that company we were stuck on 32-bit windows so yeah. i could not have more than four gigs of ram or 3.6 whatever it was. <laughs> yeah 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 and i used i remember once i stayed late at work and my boss's boss walked past my desk and said oh richard you're here late like and i was thinking yeah this is great she was like why are you here so late and i was just sat in front of a screen like a square screen with intellij and i was like oh my whole computer's just hung because i don't have enough memory and like this is my life like all day <laughs> i try and do things and then it just like freaks out because it, i really need like eight gigs of ram this was like you know yeah 2010 and uh i remember like in, the, in a nod to corporate she went Oh, okay. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> 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 like that, Nothing like, we can do about that. Yeah, just just completely. There, there were reasons. Other people did have more RAM yeah. uh, around me, but just we were stuck because we we had to use some VPN software that was like so, something like that. Some VPN software that only ran on thirty two bit and didn't work for us on sixty four. But that, I mean, that you know, four gig. It's amazing to think that four yeah. gig of RAM you could do anything useful. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess yeah. I mean, that was probably at the time not that bad, but now that seems mental, doesn't it? Like you wouldn't you wouldn't leave home without sixteen really for a development machine. So if you had to pick the cheapest Mac that you would work with, if somebody was going to buy it for you, uh, how much? What would the thirteen-inch MacBook Pro? But I think I would want sixteen gig of RAM. If you said to me you can you only doing. So the thing that makes me a sellout is that I'm saying, oh, I do uh, iOS development. The truth is, if tomorrow you were like, you never have to do iOS development, I think I would still maybe keep my Mac because I really like Unix-based environments. And the Mac, in my mind, what Mac really is, I, I know it's not this to many other people, probably, especially like creatives and other people that use a lot of Macs, is it has a pretty good, quite close to Linux, Unix terminal. Yeah. And it all works most of the time because it's mum and pop. Yeah, kind of stuff. So like you know, it's a good it's a good um, hybrid between the two. Yeah, exactly. Which we don't get with Linux itself, right? No, Linux is pretty unforgiving, and like you, you, if you, I mean, I don't know if the times have changed, but in the past, if you had a Linux laptop, and I know some people on Hacker News, I see they're like I ton it and I love it, but I would hazard a guess that they're still spending a significant portion of their time mucking about with things that aren't proper work. Because, does it sleep properly? Yeah, does it sleep properly? Does it like? Does oh, it crash if you plug in an external monitor? Yeah. Like, things that we've seen right? oh i need this piece of software and now i'm stuffed whereas like because mac and windows are the dominant forces i mean you've got office on mac now so it's not great but you, you know you can you know even things like chrome 
just runs better on the other two than it has on Linux when I've used it on Linux. And it's kind of yeah. like, you spend a lot of time in that. Although Chrome does run like a bit of a dog on a Mac as well. But so Yeah, think, it does seem, actually, Chrome does seem best on Windows. I don't know yeah, why I that is. I guess is. they must be using that in Google a lot. I don't think they do. They use a Linux build. I think they use a Linux. How is it worse on that? I don't know. Weird. It's tra- yeah, you would. But you'd think that the same about why they haven't released new Macs in so long, because surely everybody in Apple is using Mac. Yeah, they're probably all using like yeah. That, that's a I don't know. Or they let them run Homebrew type. They're just bringing in like their own PC. <laughs> well, you oh, I see what you mean. They're just installing Mac on like they're like yeah. I just went and got a really nice Dell. <laughs> <laughs> and they have installed a Mac OS on it, but like. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Because, yeah, they, what they're probably doing is they're using the big... The first thing is money is no object to them because they make the bloody things. Yeah, so there's so, no cost for them. So they're like, oh, I've got a 7K laptop or yeah, like, whatever. It, you know, but it's just, for them, it's just at cost, isn't it? Yeah, it's it? just at cost. So it's like, what, like 300 pounds or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> whatever yeah, it is, yeah. like 2,000 pounds. <laughs> but maybe they're also all using desktops. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe. But, like, ser- seriously, the Mac, the until this release, I and mean, presumably now they've given all their engineers that have laptops the 32 gig... 16 gig of RAM in till this release, so like mid first half of 2018, is BS in my opinion. Like that is crazy. And like the number of times I genuinely bumped into it. But I think you could get away with 8 gig if you weren't doing, if you're just doing like web dev. Yeah. 8 gig. We had someone in my company, 8 gig. She never complained. I mean, maybe she was having a terrible time. I don't know. But she might not have known any different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She never had a better developer, one. Yeah. But she, yeah, she, she, she seems okay. So. So you would get the top of the line, Dell Latitude. You wouldn't get a Dell something else? Uh, no, I, th- I think um, the Dell was an option, Is always for me, is always a, a serious contender. I think for a lot of people it wouldn't be. I do like the Surfaces. The Surface Book 2, I think, has got to be up there. And there is a Surface Dock. I don't know if it works with that one, but there is a Dock for Surface. Docking is a good... I I, I think docking is important. Yeah, it is. The, the Mac docking is not particularly important from what I've seen. Like USB-C, it's, like I want yeah. one cable, two 4K monitors and everything else done. And from what I've seen, you need like a £250 dongle to make mm. that happen, which is I mean, the, not ideal. The Dell, the Dell dongles aren't cheap, but they're more like £100 off eBay oh, rather than, that's fine. you know, you can get official Dell ones sort of. You could think about buying two. Yeah, but like which two, I did actually. With, with 250 quid. Yeah. Like our friend has one and he told me, like I went to his office and he is using that but then using a dedicated cable for the other 4K monitor because in practice it's not really working well enough. And I'm so he's of, got two things. So he actually still has two things. Oh, and man. so the dream is not yet. Maybe maybe it's a technology thing. You know, like in a couple of, in a couple of years, a dongle you know will be like a hundred quid, and it won't. Be I mean, that's the nice thing about Dell. I guess they've done that for a long time, so that's one of the few things they've actually got as a business advantage. Yeah. Which is weird to think about it when you think about PCs. They're more more or less all the same. Yeah. But there is that which I think that you've been propping them up. Yeah, me, <laughs> me, and that's just me. Just buying them with this Dell lo- monitor and this Dell monitor stand. <laughs> it's not a Dell mouse, is it? It's no, no, Logitech. it's a Logitech. Logitech. Um, yeah, is is there anything else you want to say on the I don't think PC so, versus no. Mac? Apart from a little bit of a moan about Mac prices, which I think is completely understandable. Yeah, I'm probably going to. Uh, well, I think our one listener might might give me quite a lot of hate potentially. <laughs> if they, like, <laughs> if they like Macs. Well, you're always going to get people who are massive fans. Yeah, but I think realistically. They're trying to, they. But I think I think what they're doing with Macs is they what they're doing with their phones is that they're pricing them to be exclusive. But they need to be. They people who are like developers, it's, the price is a problem, right? Yeah. It's not about status for a Mac developer necessarily. No, no. 
Whereas for a phone, you could argue, yeah. There was some status there, I think. Like, they, 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 but for a, lot, for a lot of people, you know, if you're using Xcode, there's no option. And there's no developer yeah. program that you can get a discounted Mac to use Xcode, right? Yeah. So they're saying, we raise the price by X amount. You decode in Xcode, well, you're gonna have, you're gonna have to stump up some more cash yeah, for us to then develop for our App Store. I, yeah, I do, I do, I do despair. I think it's mainly just because they've put the word Pro in, and then you kind of feel like when you look at the comparable PC option on the for the laptop, you can get so much more. Like you were saying, dropping two K on a, you know, we're talking about most of these Macs are probably in that bracket as well, but you'll probably get double the memory. Uh, maybe more yeah, better I, process you'll get better everything mm. the, tra- the trackpad and the build quality aside uh, yeah you'll you'll probably get better everything else yeah and like you can probably buy like four dongles yeah like all the diet coke you can drink and you can <laughs> you'll still, that's, all, that's all it is really you'll still have more you still have a better <laughs> computer but. yeah there we go we've been talking for nearly two hours time to stop time to stop all right goodbye